0: Separated by Cosmic Cabinets, Brandon, Paul, and Logan are broadcasting the Breakdown Podcast live using their telepathic powers. My name is Brandon Miracle, broadcasting live from the Breakroom Arcade. If you look south of me in the video version, you'll see the wonderful face of Paul Anderson broadcasting live from the Breakroom Bedroom. If you look to the right of me in the video version, you'll see the wonderful face of Logan Welliver broadcasting live from his parents' basement.
1: The soundboard this time,
0: yeah. We upgraded.
1: Oh, now ready.
0: oh we double upgraded because his gale is ready. We got Sean Chiplock here joining us on the show today.
1: Hello, everybody. Wait, wait, hey, 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 get those telepathic cars on my head.
2: Get them up.
0: Stop. No, we're in, boy. We're they're, here. non
2: refundable. Stop. Stop. Okay.
0: Do you have your receipt? I do not. Yeah, you can't return it. I'm sorry. I mean, we could give you a, a, a gift card. Credit. I'll take
1: a rain store credit. Okay. Store I'll take rain, I'll take a rain check. Or if you could just deliver rain straight to California, that would be great. That would You be can fantastic. have all the rain
0: we've been having, and are apparently Preferably having purple. for four Preferably more days.
1: Preferably purple rain. My wife is a big fan of Prince. She'd love if the rain could be purple.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, she might like my background then. Um, yeah. So we've got a lot to talk about today. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Sean, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and what you do?
1: Oh God, I'm being put on the spot. I, I did to it to you. I've never done this in my life. Um, (laughs) Hi, guys. My name is Sean Chiplock. Um, Many of you may know me online as Sonic Mega. Yes, it is a reference to Sonic and Mega Man. There's a story behind that. Um, I've been a professional voiceover. Well, I've been doing voiceover for uh, just over 11 and a half years. I've been doing it professionally for about, um, I want to say, eight or nine um uh, but definitely full-time since i've been coming to california since i moved out in 2012 2013 and in the time since i've moved out here i've added quite a number of pretty cool roles to my resume yep. um you, you you know they're so cool that i have to look up my own name because i can't remember most of them um <laughs> you may have, you'd be amazed um so you may have heard me as the voice of mishima yuki in persona 5 uh, you may have heard me as uh, Subaru Natsuki in the upcoming dub of ReZero, Starting Life in Another World. Uh, you may have heard me as Diluc, uh, Jock and Jack, and Sylphid in the new Secret of Mana remake that came out. Uh, Kiyotaki Shimaru, Monotaro in the Danganronpa series. Uh, but the big one that everyone brings up is Rivali, Teva, and the Great Deku Tree in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Hmm,
0: never heard of yeah. it. Yeah, I don't know what that is. Um, you know what? You, you, actually, it's it funny Switch? you
1: say it. A- Yeah, it's it's on uh, Wii U and Nintendo Switch. But it's funny you say never heard of it because outside of interviews where obviously people have looked it up or anime conventions, the closest I have come to someone in real life recognizing what I do is when I brought up the fact that I voiced in the newest Legend of Zelda game. And the person responded, oh, I had a Nintendo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the closest I have come to people not within my age demographic knowing what I was talking about.
0: Oh, my God.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just, I guess, does that just come with voice acting? Obviously, I recognize a lot of voice actors because I look these things up, but it's like, you know, you just hear a voice, um, and unless you're uh, already an established actor who has done other things
1: other than just voice acting. Steve Bloom, Matt Mercer, Tara Strong, you know. Yeah.
0: You mentioned in your introduction that there's a story behind the name Sonic Mega. Gonna need to hear that. So when I
1: was when I was 12, uh, and I wanted to make an account on the IGN forums, which you needed to be 13 in order to sign up. So I clicked, you know, I clicked, I understand, and I'm 13 years old of age, so I was a rebel right from the start. But (laughs) lo and behold, lo and behold, there was another barrier, because I couldn't just do that. I had to make a username, whatever the heck that was.
0: Oh, my God. So
1: So I decided to come up with a brilliant username, and I was like, wait, what if I take the name of one of my favorite video game characters and the name of one of my other favorite video game characters, and I put them together... Oh, I can do that. Well. And I put them together. <laughs> Let's see what happens. And miraculously, that name had not been taken. And a name, and it was better than having something like tilde XXX underscore Goku Roth 667 underscore XXX. So I went with Easier it. Easier to say. And pretty amazingly, uh, I I have always been able to have the name Sonic Mega on every account I've ever made, except when I forget my login and I have to make a new account, and then I'll do like VA Sonic Mega. With one exception, there is a German music playlist site where someone took the name Sonic Mega before I did. So if you happen to be on, I think it was called Wave or something like that, I don't remember. If you're on a German music collection playlist site, and you think you've received a friend request from me, because it's from Sonic Mega, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but that is not me.
0: I can't Aww. believe you outed my Goku username on the German
2: website. Uh, I
1: know, I know. I've been hiding I don't that. If I didn't actually
2: get a friend request also, from you there.
1: Also a true fact: my forum signature on the IGN forums was a picture of Supersonic. Because, and I kid you not, my mental process was: if I put a picture of Supersonic before I get into a flame war, people will know that I'm invulnerable to bullying.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I was not anticipating that. <laughs> Pro tip! It didn't work. I got so salty. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, So, <laughs> good Lord. I, before we move on, I want to talk about, like, how I came across you, and this was a long, long time ago. I think oh, I was yeah. back in middle school, maybe just starting high school.
1: That, was Tinder just had just started up, hadn't it? Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. That's, yep. uh, we I mean, fast. you didn't swipe right, but I, I really wished. Yeah. <laughs> So for those of you who are uh, aware that we have a past in making Super Smash Brothers machinima, um, you might know of a machinima called Smash Tasm by current YouTube user Shippage. Um, and Sean... Shippage is
1: made huge stride. I- I'll let you yes. finish, but... Oh my goodness.
0: Yeah, he's, uh, he's got Starter Squad going right now, which I think is a fantastic show. Um, if mm-hmm. you haven't watched Starter Extremely Squad, do it. Good mm-hmm. Extremely good performances. Extremely um, good performances. And Sean, you voiced a character in the Brawl version of that.
1: Yes, I was the voice of, I believe, pa- uh, Pacari, Pakari. he was, an I think he was supposed to be an Australian-accented pit, um, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that role, especially because I had to try and do an authentic accent, and I'm scared to listen to it nowadays, but
0: <laughs> I had a blast, I had a blast, yeah, it was really fun. How How long had you been doing voice acting by that point? Oh, man, Um. let me, I'm gonna
1: look up, I'm gonna cheat, I'm gonna look research. up Smash Chasm on uh, in a universe released between 2007 and 2008. Really?
2: No way! It was a long time <laughs> that ago.
1: Been, that would have been right when I. St- oh, okay. The second season filmed in Brawl was between 2008 and 2012, so it was definitely during my college years. I want to say it was sometime between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Okay. So 2008, 2009.
0: Yeah, I I remember like being super impressed um with your performance in that. Because, you know, like, back in the Machinima days, I say that like it was an era. Um,
2: It was an era.
0: Don't even
2: even start, man. I mean, most of us,
0: you know, had poor quality mics. We had no experience acting. But you stood out to me. So, at that point, like, I just started following you. Um, I eventually came across a YouTube user named Smashtasm Packery that I thought was you. (laughs) Turns out I was duped. The liar. No. No. Because it was Sonic The German
2: website all over again. They got me two times.
0: Those
1: Germans. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but yeah at that point like i just started following uh your career wow. and for 10 i guess it would have been like eight or nine years at this point i've seen you grow and it's been amazing thank you yeah i'm i'm a fan oh. um that's
1: so- my biggest fan right there <laughs>
2: <laughs> did you knock your webcam out
0: video. <laughs> sean come back for those of you listening to the audio versions, <laughs> Sean, like, picked up his webcam, and I'm pretty sure he just either unplugged it or broke it. Oh, is he coming back? Is he there? There he oh, is.
1: Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> He's very shy.
0: <laughs> Here he is. Somebody clip that. <laughs> Oh my gosh! It's a very, it's a very old webcam, so
2: the wire is very finicky. We
0: we saw your hand go up. We saw it turn, and we heard the smack of you grabbing was, it. I it was, was gone.
1: It's because Nintendo thought I was going to do the Iwata pose, and they wanted to copyright infringe. So are they, they? They were going to give me a copyright strike, so they took down the video.
2: Exactly. Please, I like that.
0: Please understand. We're going to get zapped. <laughs> I understand. Um, so so with all that in mind. Uh, one of the things we talked about before we started the show, and I guess we'll we'll jump to that first. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about all your stuff in the background. Oh. So knock um, out your webcam okay. again.
1: Oh no. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna see what I can show from here. But behind the fan, I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up my video so I can see what you guys can see. All right. So behind the fan, that's Jaffe. He is from a place called Craig's Cruisers in in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, and we won Jaffe because of this Wizard of Oz coin launcher game, and it was insufferable because every <laughs> time, every time you fired coins, it would play this loop of follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road, follow, 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 follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road. It was that over and over again. Good <laughs> Lord. Every <my> single time. <laughs> Just ad nauseum, but we were so good at landing the coins that they would push. They had these little character cards, and the character cards were worth fifty credits or fifty tickets, whatever, if you collected them. Okay. But if you got the full set, if you got a full set of all seven character cards, it was worth fifty-five hundred. So, Oof. it was a huge, huge amount. So we would basically spend like. 50, seventy dollars just like playing together on this stupid thing and, and getting all the character cards. And then we bought him. So he is a reminder of one, our love of stuffed animals and two, our love of vastly overspending on arcade games.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I remember like you tweeting a lot uh, tweeting out a lot about the uh, the 3DS badge arcade. Like, back when that was still a thing? Oh
1: my god! Okay, for those of you who aren't aware, there was this game called Nintendo Badgercade, and it was very heavily styled on Japanese crane games. And the idea was that you could win these little badges that you could use to decorate your 3DS home screen. Without getting into too much detail, in general, each crane game machine, because they cycled them out regularly, each crane game machine could in general be beaten in one set of plays. It was $1 for five uses of the crane. So in general, you could beat each one in, in five plays if you were good. But it ranged from, you know, sometimes you could finish one early, sometimes you could spend two to $3 on a single crane because the, the badges were in really difficult locations, where mm. there were just so many of them. With that in mind, by the time I stopped playing Badgercade, which was at the same time that they said, we're not updating anymore, I checked my number of completed sets. And it was sitting at 1,279. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Do you- it was... Go ahead. It was at the point where – because it had that little trophy that, like, would update itself as you collected more unique badges or stickers. Mm-hmm. I was at a point where the game would no longer allow me to take a screenshot of the trophy I had
0: because it was considered spoilers. <laughs> How much, like, did you have to sink money into to making it that yes. far?
1: it it was it was absolutely because it happened at one point this is how it started because I noticed as you cleared if you cleared multiple crane games in the single play session the rabbit would have progressively more impressed sounding phrases to say so uh, suddenly I had this thought of well, what happens if you complete all of them like how what is the max number you can do before he just repeats the same phrase over and over or does he have something special he says if you've completed all of the crane games that are currently available so i did that and at that point it was like well now that i've done that i might as well clear all the new ones as they come in (laughs) and it just cycled from there it just kept going now i wasn't putting myself in danger financially by doing this i I was in a position where i could afford to do this but did i need to no (laughs) No. i
0: love that um it's kind of sad now that the Badge Arcade's over, but I'm sure your wallet's probably happy too at the same time. No,
1: it's not, because Dragalia Lost just got announced, and I'm going all in on that. <laughs> because back back when I was working for NIS America, there was a mobile game from Sega called Dragon Coins, which it got canceled like eight months into its release, but I was addicted as hell to that game because the d- the dragon designs were really cool, the concept was really cool, and uh, the fact... That you can play like online multiplayer for the missions in Dragalia Lost. Like I was a huge fan of Fantasy Star Zero, and I'm a big fan of MMOs in general. So the fact that I can have like these cool dragon abilities and stuff like that, and I can play online with these people on my mobile
0: phone, it's over, man. It's over. <laughs> it's done. That's it. I mean, close up shop. We're we're finished. You the just- only
1: reason I would, the only reason I wouldn't is because in the beginning of October is when Maple Story Two drops, and as the voice of the male Berserker class. I gotta rep my character, bro. I gotta do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's important. I also want to make you know that you just made a best friend out of Paul when you said Fantasy Star. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, I only played I only played Fantasy Star Zero, which was the DS game. I haven't played like Fantasy Star online or anything like that. So let me let me forewarn you. Yeah.
2: I think the point stands for Paul anyway. (laughs) I just love hearing Fantasy Star on the show. I'm the only one that knows. um
0: so yeah let's uh let's take it into some uh some of the questions for you sean like uh okay. starting out what what actually was the catalyst for your career what got you interested in voice acting
1: being pissed off at adult swim really really yep because uh it was about 3 23 in the morning i was doing my dailies on neopets while listening to full metal alchemist in the background And for the 25th time that evening, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, like, when they were, like, advertising their website using this, like, it was this guy who talked like this the entire time, and the screen was all neon colors. He was like, go to adultswim.com. It was really cool. And I was getting so annoyed that they were just playing the same advertisement over and over and over again. And eventually I went, fine, Adult Swim, you win. I'll check out your stupid website because I'm so damn bored right now. And, um... You guys remember the old MTV behind the music video videos where it would show like little factoid bubbles of like, you know, info about the artist or the song or just like their, their band, you know, just little, little pieces of info. Any of you remember that? I think
0: I have a vague memory of that, but I think my age is starting to show now. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I feel
1: like you're
3: saying some of these things and like, we're not that far in age, but it's like, there's a certain
1: cutoff.
3: It's funny that like, you say. Yeah. A little no, bit
1: of a it, disconnect. It's funny that you say my age is starting to show because usually people say that when they're saying I'm too old to know that, but now you're saying I'm too young to remember that. Um, but anyway, so there was there was a clip from an upcoming episode of an anime called Trinity Blood, and uh, in that clip were those little factoid bubbles, which would often link uh, to other things. And one of those links took you to another clip, which was Troy Baker in the studio recording for Abel Nightroad, the lead role of the show. And I watch him standing in this studio, like, and, and they, they roll in this like alright and he starts talking. But here's the thing I notice. He's not doing any weird thing with his voice, they're not putting any weird effect, he's talking. And the character's lips are moving at the exact same time. And if I look at the screen of the character talking, but that's his voice and oh <laughs> that's a th- That's what he's doing. I want in. I was like, it was it was the first time in my life that something had just like lit up inside of my body that wasn't spicy food. And it was <laughs> it was so amazing to me it was it was at the time it was here's an outlet for all of this energy that i have but it was this way to become a part of all these worlds that i played and i had already been doing it prior to even knowing what it was because my younger brother and i would play games like bomberman 64 the second attack um, uh, my best friend and I would play games like Final Fantasy, uh, 13, uh, no, wait, which one was, it was 12, Final Fantasy 12. And we would just take turns voicing the characters who didn't have voice acting. And we, up until that point, you know, especially with the Nintendo 64 era, we didn't realize what we were doing was voiceover, but now I knew, and I, I had already been a big part of it and I wanted to do it more. So as of like January 1st, 2007, I told myself, I am gonna be a voice actor. I'm gonna get into this. In fact, I made a post on Newgrounds and I even wrote it uh, an updated post so that I could reference this in the future. Um, I'll link it to you guys and you can do what you want uh, with that. But I made a Newgrounds topic and I said, I want to become a voice actor for an anime before I die. It wasn't a lead role. It wasn't a recurring role. It was, I wanna just voice act an anime before I die. And now I'm where I am today, and I'm still learning. But it's just really cool. I, I think about the guy pe- when Breath of the Wild came out. People posted about that guy who 10 years ago said, "I want to move to Japan because I'd like to work on localization for Nintendo." Oh yeah, I and remember then that you, story? You see him in the credits for Breath of the Wild. The, the voiceover version of that kind of happened to me, where I decided I want to become a voice actor, and 10 years later, I got to announce that I was Rivali in Breath of the Wild. So, oh, small what,
0: world. What was that? Like, first moment, like, when you saw your name in a credit sequence for something that you voiced, what did that feel like for you? Not for Breath of the Wild, but just in general? Yeah.
1: Um, you know, this is kind of anticlimactic, but a lot of why I got into voiceover was kind of selfish, to be honest. It was, for me, more than it was for the response of other people. Um, I, I, I've always really enjoyed audience response. Like, I used to write blogs on Zanga, but when it came to performance voiceover was the way for me to have adventures and experiences that just aren't possible in real life. For example, in Fairy Fencer F, when you first meet my character, I'm trying to get a grandfather and his daughter to fight to the death, and then when one of them kills themselves, I'm about to have them chopped up because I'm so mad that that, that they ruined my fun. Now, if I were to try and do that in real life, probably wouldn't be here to host this in, or to be part of this interview.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think so.
1: But in the studio... The director ate it up and paid me four hundred dollars for it. So, like, <laughs> it's it was my way of getting to like enjoy those different character archetypes and get out of my shell and just have fun in general. Uh, so, at first, it didn't. I didn't really think about the fact that I was on credit lists. I it wasn't a big part of uh, what influenced me. Um, now, if we wanted to talk about Breath of the Wild, it was really cool, but also terrifying because. For Breath of the Wild, I knew that the only other uh, known voiced Zelda game was one that's mocked to heck and back, so I knew it was automatically going to get scrutinized very heavily, and I didn't want to be the next reason why people said, "Oh my god, this is why Zelda shouldn't have voice acting; it's absolutely terrible."
0: Oh yeah, which I can't was, imagine the pressure.
1: It was ex- I, so the fact that in general people have said Rivali is considered one of the better performances, which I I think considering what the recording process was like everyone did exactly as they were told because you have to deal with the director you have to deal with what the localization company wanted yeah. because what what nintendo of america wanted for the deliveries on the characters was not the same as what nintendo of japan wanted Rivali um I, I, this is the last thing i'll say and then i'll let us move on but for example Uh, Nintendo, uh, there's two types of of cocky confidence. There's when you truly believe you are the best and when you are just trying to convince others that you are the best. And it's my understanding that uh, Nintendo of Japan went with the, the latter. They wanted Rivali to really be that eccentric, flamboyant arrogance. But Nintendo of America wanted to go for that, no, he's actually worked really hard. He has earned this and that's why he's upset at Link. He knows he is the best. So I went in a completely different direction and that resulted in a different performance. So I'm just grateful that in general audiences really liked what they heard.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm among the people that enjoyed your performance, especially as Rivali. Um... And it's interesting that you mentioned that because you don't think – the average person doesn't think about those kinds of um, differences between localizations. Like I I personally would have never even considered the fact that Rivali would have a different character between mm-hmm. two different translations of the game. Um, so the the fact that you bring that up is it's very enlightening for me. I can't imagine how it is for the, the people in the chat. A lot of
1: a lot of people and I'm not I'm not discrediting anyone because again, it's not something that really comes to mind unless you're part of the industry.
0: Mm-hmm. But a lot of people really
1: just see the voice actor as the beginning and the end of a vocal performance. And they don't take into consideration the the quality of the script the quality of the studio the quality of the director the time that you have to record you know for example there's times when i was qaing where we simply did not have enough time to to give full attention to every area of of the game we had to only fix the major issues there's probably times where uh the company who's giving you a project says we need to have this return to us in two weeks so it's not necessarily the fault of the recording company but if you're on a time crunch you have to prioritize so and I'm not blaming anyone for that either. I'm just saying there's different situations. Like, every game is different.
0: Uh, to kind of go along with that, are there any other like major misconceptions about the voice acting process you hear a lot that you'd like to clear up?
1: So when people say, oh, this character's voice, you know, doesn't really fit well for this character, you know, why did they make him sound like this? Um, sometimes it can be due to miscasting. Again, I, I'm not pointing to anyone in particular. Sometimes it's who's available at the moment, but often you have to also look at what goes into the reason for casting. So um, I know that there are certain studios, certain clients who like to cast uh, actors who look like their characters. Because, like, um, there's a lot of Japanese companies that they do the whole idol celebrity thing, so they tend to cast, you know, people who can cosplay as their characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and in America, there's some companies that have Japanese uh, uh, connections or they have heavy Japanese influence where they tend to cast actors who can do a, a fitting voice but also look close to their character because it helps with their advertising, their PR. Um there are some studios that, uh, or there are some cases where they want to cast an actor who would be a perfect fit for a voice, but they go, oh, we already cast this voice for this character, and they're going to sound too similar, so now we need to go for something different. There's all, even actors don't know why why studios make the choices they do. A running joke is the reason why you, when you go into audition, you should do what you will have fun with is because you can't really do what you think the studio wants, because no one knows what they want. There what? was a, there was a workshop I went to for a, a commercial company, a commercial advertising company. And literally the guy hosting it said, do what comes to you because honestly, we don't know what we want yet, but we'll tell you when we hear it.
0: <laughs> that, that legit <laughs> happened. Oh my goodness. Uh, you know, you, you're making me think. Cause like I, I work in commercial production and advertising and, uh, our company, you know we we contract out to a West Coast based uh, voice studio. Mm-hmm. And you know when I have to deliver them the script for whatever commercial or for whatever local clients we're working with, I don't often have the direction from the client to give them, and I just kind of have to to wing it. Right. Um, right. and only and I hate to say this, but only recently, I started trying to provide more direct direction from myself personally because I feel mm-hmm. like I'm sending it out. And I don't know if the uh, if the artist, you know, if they feel right. like I'm not giving them enough, or. What is that? How does that work?
1: It's it's a team effort. Well, um, when I'm trying not to like make a divide here, but there are there are points in an actor's career if they're experienced enough where you can really just give them the reins and they'll be able to take hold of it. Mm -hmm. Um, But there can also be times where, you know, I'm an actor who technically I do better when I have direction, like I am capable Mm -hmm. of directing myself. But if you guide me to what you want. I can parrot it very well. Um, for example, I struggled really hard with Rivali. I thought he was gonna be the easiest character for me to perform, but when Nintendo of America did that switch because I thought he was gonna be that arrogant cockiness, but Nintendo wanted the other way, I really struggled with that. And I had to really lean on my director, Jamie Mortolaro, to guide me into where Nintendo wanted me. But once I was there, it was smooth sailing. Um, So, again, it goes all sorts of ways. Some actors can just take the reins themselves. Some, you know, the client can be really picky and it's a matter of just listen and repeat. It's a a collaboration. It's teamwork. It's all about uh, a a certain amount of give and take based on what everyone's needs are.
0: That's that's amazing. That's perfectly uh, well said. It's definitely insightful for me and something to keep in mind as I continue in my own career. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
3: Um, it's also different, like, just a quick anecdote right here. Not really an anecdote. Um, But, like, as a musician uh, and someone who likes to write his own stuff, uh, you know, obviously, if I'm writing my own stuff, I'm technically I'm directing myself. I'm trying to figure out what's the best fit and what are the best sounds. Um, But I've also considered the possibility in the future of doing professional vocal work uh like being able to like okay here's a piece of music and mm-hmm. then like okay so and 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 that like okay so if you're in a choir or you're in an ensemble you have to fit within a certain framework and it's all about like following what uh the director would, yeah. would want and again i don't think especially non-creative types uh they don't they don't think about all these different types of things. They don't think about uh, the motivations behind all the songs and the motivations be like, okay, why am I performing this little piece this way no. as opposed to another way you know and it's
1: a huge factor into getting more work in the industry because it doesn't matter how good of a performer you are or how good of a creative you are if you are difficult to work with people won't want to work with you there are studios uh, in California that I know of that are very 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 difficult to get in with in terms of being part of their audition roster because once they have their it's not elitism it's just once they have their group of people they like to use them over and over and over again just because they've worked with them they know what the range is they know what yeah. they can do it just makes the whole process easier so right.
3: and,
1: yeah go ahead
3: uh, uh, and and it also depends on on how flexible you are like on the fly can you uh, accurately or uh, to a degree um you know change your performance uh, based on criticism and direction and yeah. that can be extremely difficult and that's something that is learned over time so the fact that you have 11 years in it um has has allowed you to get to a point uh where you have enough control over that part of your your skill your talent uh that it's obviously desirable and desirable enough where you're you're getting more of these bigger roles these significant roles uh so much that you know i remember when breath of the wild dropped and and i saw your tweet right and the only reason i knew who you were is because brandon was talking about you like oh Sean. You know is voicing these characters in this game and i'm like who the heck is sean but now now we know you know and so
1: yeah that's right now you do know now you know
3: (laughs) i
0: remember (laughs) like uh so i work in local tv news and uh i was out on a shoot like getting ready to um do like a new story on a i think it was a new bowling alley that was opening in some other neighboring town and Mm -hmm. i just pulled out my phone just to check Facebook really quick before I went in uh, to the building, and I saw I. <laughs> the thing is, I remember you making a Facebook post and and as well as a tweet that you had something incredible, like something that you had always wanted to do, um, that you're super proud of. And then months right. later, I was like, I was still wondering about that, and I pull out my mm-hmm. phone. And just like seconds ago, you had posted that you were a volley, and I had a mini freak out right next to my car, and I immediately well, told Paul, because we were both fans of you by this point. Well, even
2: before that, like I think two th- days before that, I made a post on Facebook about finishing a link to the past, and I remember you commented on it with just like a face, and I was, I was trying to ask Brandon, like, what is, what was that, what was that emoji about? <laughs> and then like two days later, you announced that you're a volley, it's like, oh, that makes so much sense! <laughs>
0: Yeah, that, that was a cool moment for us. As much oh, wait, as I imagined it ba- was for you.
1: I, I got it backwards. I got to do. I think it's this one. Yeah, it's that one. <laughs> um, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it in the chat so people know what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> everybody at home will see it too. <laughs> uh, well, well, let's address a couple questions coming from the chat. Um, Dreamdrops asking, "What was your favorite moment that you worked on during your work with Breath of the Wild?" Favorite moment, okay.
1: Okay, so part of how I got cast for Rovalli, like first of all, the interesting people need to know is that I was not cast for Rivali to begin with. The only character I was cast as was the Great Deku Tree, which in itself is incredible because that was a character I specifically chose to audition for, which it was codenamed, so I didn't know it was him, but I chose to audition for him so that I could try out a character voice that is outside of my normal range. I wanted to challenge myself. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I'm in the booth, and they say, "Hey, while you're here, we're still have we're still trying to get uh, options for this other character, Rivali. Um, would you like to do some raids?" And I said, "Hell yeah!" Because uh, I I I knew I I had a feeling it was related to one of the characters that I auditioned for, and I really liked their personality. So I said, "Sure." And they show me a sample scene, and I see this beautiful bird boy on the screen. <laughs> Bird boy. And, the, and the first thing I do, this is the first noise that comes out of my mouth as I'm watching this scene unfold. I go... <laughs> <laughs> what I didn't know... Because at the time, it was just the director from the recording studio. I wasn't at, like, Nintendo's HQ or anything. It was just the director from the localization studio who is in there. But what I didn't know was that Nintendo people from their HQ were listening in via Skype. Oh! So so this group of, I can imagine, very important people who make lots of money to make very big decisions for this company, in their suits, sitting in this conference room, are listening to 26-year-old me freak out (laughs) in the studio. Literally fangirl over this character. Um. And it turned out to work in my favor because, as I imagine, you know, they turned out to be looking for people who were really passionate about the project like they were because chances were those people would work really hard to make this product the best that it could possibly be. For sure. So the fact that I delivered a voice and I showed that I could be directed into what they wanted and that I was so passionate about the project, it all came together to just make me a really solid choice for the role. And the rest is history. So... I, I kind of use it as a story to tell people, like, in the right atmosphere, it is okay to be passionate about your work. It's it's one thing to be like, oh, my gosh, I've always wanted to be a part of this franchise. This has been my biggest dream. It can borderline on uncomfortable. But if you let your enthusiasm show in organic ways when the opportunity presents
0: itself, that can benefit you. That's amazing. Um, did you... Quick question for clarity's sake, did you know that you were reading for a Zelda game at this point? At the
1: time to- at that point, when they said would you do reads for this other character, it was unavoidable because I got, to, you know, I got to see the concept, I got to see a sample scene for what I was dubbing, you know, it that was obvious. But back when we first got the audition sides, everything was codenamed. Like, I actually thought at first that it was for a Dragon Quest game. Like I didn't know what it was for.
0: So <laughs> What was that feeling like when you realized what you were reading for?
1: Um, like I said, I was both super excited and super scared because I, like I said earlier, I didn't want to be the that concept of oh, here's a, yet another example of why Legend of Zelda should never have had voice acting in the first place. So I, <laughs> I was super happy, but also immediate. Super focus mode. I did not. I didn't even want to consider about my excitement until I saw what other people thought of the end result.
0: Well, I think the end result turned out fantastic, and your enthusiasm and your passion for your work definitely shows in that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, we have a question from Nikolai. He says, "Hey, Sean, younger voice actor here. Agent wants me to move to LA so that I can be closer to them. My question is, do you have any tips on how to get involved with people from the industry? Bang Zoom and ISA, etc."
1: time and consistency and money um the first one the money or the money is a big one because uh no no, i'll start with time uh when i first moved out to california the only connection i had was bang zoom um actually i'm gonna see if i can load up something because i i swear to god this is gonna be super helpful uh documents powerpoints uh i'm not crazy only five of me are so I'm going to see if I can take a screenshot of this and send it to you guys, and then you guys can provide it to the chat. Um, so when I first moved out to California, my only connection was with Bang Zoom, and the only reason I had a connection with them was because in 2009, my right after my freshman year of college, I participated in the AX Idol um, uh, per uh, AX Idol voice acting competition. I remember that. And, and I happened to win, and they said, "When are you going to be in the area?" And I said, "Not for three years." Um, <laughs> So when I moved out, I, I started out with Bang Zoom, where they started bringing me bringing me in for like Walla Productions. Uh, they brought me in for, and, and it started as unnamed characters in the background among a group. Then it was one-time unnamed characters in the background as part of a group. Then it was recurring background characters that weren't named. Then there was a background character who didn't have a name, but you got to hear him individually. And then suddenly it was a recurring background character. It was small steps as I gained trust with them of, you know, can you show up on time? Can you take direction, etc. And then slowly I would get to uh, play as minor roles. For, for characters in games that were part of other companies, whether it was Exceed, NIS America, Aniplex. And all of a sudden, as I worked for these other companies, now all of a sudden, these companies knew that I existed. So for example, I recorded a role, uh, I recorded as Ozma, Gruta, and Leo for a company called, uh, uh, I think it was, was that NIS America? No, um, I think it was for either Exceed or NIS America for a game called Ease, uh Memories of Celceta. And nothing came of that until two years later when one of the localization people, Brittany, uh, said, hey, Chiplock did voices for us way back when for this game called East Memory Salsetta. I remember him. I think his voice would be a good fit for this character who turned out to be Rein Schwarzer for Trails of Cold Steel. And Trails of Cold Steel was was recorded at PCB Productions. So now PCB Productions knew that I existed. So the first part is time. Just over time, you will, as you record, you will get to work on projects, you'll get to work with these companies. You may work uh, with a different, um, I'm trying to think. You may get an audition through a recording studio that is being published by a different company. So now that other company knows that you have done work for them and you make connections through them. Um, the second part, consistency, is you've gotta be able to perform. When you're booked for a character, you need to make sure that you can sustain that voice for two to four hours, depending on the intensity. Because if you go in and you lose your voice halfway into the session, you're not gonna be reliable. They're gonna be like, all right, this, this person is a risk. We can't really trust that they can perform this character after they've been cast. Um, a big portion of that was uh, when I was cast as Subaru Natsuki in ReZero. The very first thing that the casting director told me was, are you aware of what this character does in this show and how intense this gets? Will you be able to, to last throughout the series? Will your voice be able to hold up? And I had to tell them, I am aware. I will take proper steps to keep my throat intact. I, I acknowledge what I'm about to sign myself up for before they would hand me the role. Um, and the money, the big thing is taking those workshops. The, the easiest way to let a company know that you exist is to take workshops that they are hosting. BangZoom does workshops. Um, They also have workouts that they do. There are actors that have workouts. There's this uh, service in, uh, there's this person named Mary Lynn Wisner, who hosts evenings called Meet the Agents, Meet the Pros nights at Voice Tracks West. I have started so many client relationships through Meet the Pros uh, workshops. I've uh, I, I met Mattel and I started doing commercial stuff for Mattel through one of those workshops I met Brian Nevsky of Disney Parks through one of those workshops. I met my agent at SBB Talent through one of those workshops so if you are ready to you can take workshops for two reasons one is to learn and improve yourself and actually get in studio experience. But then, once you're ready to perform, when you're ready to compete at the professional level, those same workshops can be how you get yourself in front of the people in charge of casting and show them, I'm local and I'm ready, I can do these characters and I can perform. And that's how you can get on their list be like, hey, we should include this person in future auditions because I've heard them in the past and they did really well with this type of character. So those three, I I know I really ran on, but though I would definitely say the workshops, uh, the locality, obviously, and just being ready to perform, being ready to take hold of that opportunity are your three greatest assets to getting noticed by
0: companies. Oh, that was incredibly valuable. Go ahead, Logan. yeah.
3: Also, it just, that sounds like practical um, information for just about anybody, right? right? Showing up on time shows that you're serious about it. And here's the thing, like uh, I've had my first like real big boy job, right, for the past year and a half. And it, it's, it's done a lot for me and it's allowed me to get into the door, uh, but it's also a really, really relaxed work environment. Uh, my boss, bless his soul, is just the most easygoing guy, but in the industry, uh, and let's assume that I want to continue in uh, the industry, which is uh, uh, AV, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, audio and stuff like that. um, There are, most places are not like that. Mm -hmm. And, And I realize that, and it's a challenge, especially when you, when you, when my natural state is to be very, very relaxed, right? Mm-hmm. I like being easygoing. I like being able to show up five minutes late and nobody says anything because nobody cares. But that's not the case. That's no. just not the case. And so you have to deal with the reality of the situation. And if you're not willing to deal with the reality of the situation, you're not going to move forward. So a lot of my life in the past like year and a half has been coming to terms with the fact that I'm going to have to step it up and I'm going to have to to you know, deal with that. And so being able to show up on time and and perform when you need to perform on, at any given moment. And so for me, that's like client relations. It's it's having a good face and, and acting, you know, to make sure that I am convincing them that th- everything is under control. Right. And then also being able to follow through on on that word that I can perform. Right. And so same thing with voice acting, same thing with, you know, anything you got to be diligent. You got to be consistent. uh, And those are things that I'm working on now. And those are things that I would encourage anybody anybody to work on if you want to be Honestly, success in your field.
1: One of the first slides I have in my PowerPoint when I talk about being successful in voiceover, one of the first slides is that I said, the more I wrote about what it takes to find success or to have a better chance at success in this industry, the more I realized that the, the qualities and characteristics of someone who is likely, not guaranteed, but likely to be successful with voiceover are really the same qualities that would make you more likely to be successful regardless of what industry you're in. Self-drive, professionalism, persistence, consistency, confidence, the ability to work with people, the, the commitment to spending hours on your free time studying your craft. All of these things are not unique to voiceover. It's just, it happens to be for me related to voiceover, but if you took all of these characteristics and you applied it to woodworking or Twitch streaming or Tinder browsing, you know, you'd find success anyway. Yeah. Uh, That's how Brandon found me. Yeah,
0: exactly.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And then we've, you know, we've been persistent and, and, and we put ourselves, and that's part of the confidence, right? Is, is we have gone out of our way to approach people who, you know, if you don't, do a lot right off the bat like you're like well why would these people ever listen to us Mm -hmm. but i mean previously we've had um, roger's base on if you know Mm -hmm. uh, roger and you know he has quite the following and so the fact that he got back to us and he agreed to be on the show that was huge and then it also spoke to me that it's like wow i could do more of this and i'm so much more capable than i think i am and so even if we're even if you don't feel like you're at a place where you can be consistent and where you can show up on time that doesn't mean that you can't get there and so like anybody listening who's who's wanting to do something incredible with their lives and incredible to you it doesn't have to be incredible to anybody else it could be like voice acting it could be i want to do game design i want to sing i want to do whatever like start now do the things that you can do with what you're doing, even if you're still living at your parents' house and your parents ask you consistently to do your chores, do that because that that bleeds over, you know. And yeah. so just keep doing those things, uh, keep your pride in check, you know, because there's always going to be people above you, and that's one of the things I struggle with, right? Is one, of the, one of the one of the
1: to do things. Uh, you know? One of the main things I remind people is just because I am a professional voiceover artist does not mean I am above you in any way. Like I I just happen to be in a career that has a much more public face than most others. But that doesn't make me more important than anybody else. Like I it I feel so bad when people are like, oh I I'm surprised you took the time to respond to me. I figured I, you know, I was so far beneath you and like you wouldn't, you know, I wasn't worth your time. No, dude, it's, I'm just a dude, man. I just We're I just, just people! We're all just people! people. <laughs> literally, literally, I, I, I go out for two hours, and I record for a game I got cast in, and then I come back, and I spend $300 on Badgercade because I have no control over my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, uh, Paul, I'm going to toss it to you to go ahead with the, uh, the next question.
2: Yeah, I was wondering, um, how is voicing a main character like Natsuki Subaru different than voicing a supporting role?
1: You know, I don't know if it's a good answer or a bad answer to see that I don't really see much of a difference because, so like, one of the first instances of voiceover, one of the first roles I had was Diabelle in Sword Art Online. And the only reason that role happened was because of Crispin Freeman, because I paid for one of his like one-on-one workshops because I wanted help with the audition. And he helped me with, with my audition for Kirito, uh, which ended up going to Bryce Papenbrook. And at the end, he said, what was this other character you mentioned? And I said, oh, well, there's this side character named Diabel who shows up in uh, in one episode. But I, I wasn't really interested in reading for him because I, I'm more interested in Kirito. And Crispin looks at me and goes, why not? And, and I went, what do you mean? He's like, you got the audition sides. Why not send in for it? It's not a guarantee you're going to get this Kirito character. So as long as you've got two chances to be a part of the show, why not take both? And I went, yeah, all right. Yeah, let's work on it. I ended up getting cast as D'Abel. I wasn't I wasn't cast as Kirito, but I got D'Abel. So even though I wasn't part of uh, a major character, even though my character only showed up once, tried to kill Steel, and then got his ass handed to him. Um, sorry, am I allowed to say that? It's fine. Okay, <laughs> wow. got, his butt, got his butt handed to him. Um, <laughs> the fact was, I was a part of Sword Art Online, which would later get streamed live on Toonami. So now all of a sudden, because I auditioned for this character, I got to tell people that I was on Toonami. I was on *Adult Swim*. You could hear my voice on a late-night block of anime shows. So, um, I guess I, the original question was, "How's it feel to voice the main character as opposed to a supporting role?" Right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I think I look at it more as the character than than the size of the role. And maybe, definitely, when I was first starting out, I my my naivete made me like, "Oh, I want to get the major roles. I want to be a big part of this project." But I have fun with characters like Zenk. I have fun with characters uh, just as much as I do with characters like Subaru and Natsuki. Um, I only got to play as uh, a villain for a little while, Hunter as Revelt, the guy in the wheelchair with like the electric uh, rope snakes. But he got to go totally crazy and I love playing insane characters. So that was a total blast for me. So it's not, I, I sure, I enjoy when I get to play a role that carries the show, if I'm a good fit for it but i'm not all perturbed about playing a smaller support role if it's a role that i know i get to do well because i still i'll troll forums from time to time and i'll see people post about like who are your favorite voices in east um, memories or east 8 lacrimosa donna because i loved Chiplock's lock's performance as hummel so if you do good work People will notice you regardless of the size of your role. So that's Mm -hmm. really what my focus has become is no matter what role I do, I want people to recognize it as being a good performance because I think that's more likely to lead to future cast uh, opportunities for me to be cast. than if I just play the big role over and over again, you know, it's Mm -hmm. not a guarantee, but it's what I like to hope. I like to hope that my track record will speak for itself and build upon itself. Um, if I can add, sorry, it just came to mind. I Go remember a quote that I remember a quote that Will Smith uh, stole from from one of his parental figures, where he said, "Instead of focusing on building a, a brick wall right away, I just focus on placing each brick as perfectly and solidly as I can, so that when I step back, I have already built a brick wall that's comprised of extremely sturdy bricks." So that's what I do. I want each role mm-hmm. to be another solid brick that I place down as perfectly as I can and I let the brick wall build itself.
2: It's funny that you mentioned that because um you know all these small roles they do add up um, and at this point you know we've been following your career you know for basically as long as you've been doing it and it, your voice has just become so iconic that I was watching a uh, uh, Toradora the other day Mm-hmm. And I think you have a, you you play the gym teacher, the
1: gym teacher. That's I think
2: right. you only have like one or two lines in it, but I stopped everything I was doing when I was watching it. Cause I'm like, I know that voice That's Sean. <laughs> that's the Damn, impact that you that have. That, it builds that, the recognition.
1: That means I didn't do well enough. It means I didn't do well enough for you to be like, I don't know who that voice <laughs> is. It's someone completely different. I have to try harder.
0: Maybe we're just getting inside <laughs> your head because you know, the telepathic powers and stuff. That. Yeah. <laughs> Bleeds out, we can feel it. Darn it. Um moving on. Uh are there any like memorable fan interactions? Before we started the show, you showed us some stuff that fans have given you before, if you wanted to show that off.
1: Uh yes. Let me okay, so I'm gonna grab that first, but I also have a story to tell about when a fan gave me something based on a character they didn't know I hadn't been cast as yet. Oh boy. I, it's it's precious. <laughs> so uh so my wall is so bare because I'm very bad about making sure to have fan art, but I've got many incredible fans who have drawn like fan art for me. Um there's this artist named Frosted Vulpix uh on tum- uh on Twitter who she has drawn like stuff of characters that I really like just in general, whether it's like favorite Pokemon, but she's also done like con badges of like characters that I've played, so like Rivali and Spade from Freedom Planet. Um but I had someone who came up and they did this pencil drawing of Green Schwarzer from Trails of Cold Steel. Um, but I collect everything. Like I have graciously accepted all these pieces of fan art that people have drawn for me. Uh, there's stuff of Revalli, Revalli <laughs> with a, a war helmet. I don't I forget what this was a reference to, but it's just <laughs> sweet. Um <laughs> There's Kurusu, oh, that's from the cosplay, because I do character cosplay as well, and I've had a a cosplay of Bryxen from Pokemon, and Kurusu from Twitter also drew this for me. This is freaking fantastic. Look at those feet. Those are fantastic feet. (laughs) Feet are hard to draw. (laughs) No, it's not, it's not, it's not indicative of anything special, I just like how they draw the feet, okay? And then, I commissioned, (laughs) I commissioned an artist at Anime Expo to draw my character Santa from 999. That is gorgeous. yeah, no, she had also done drawings of Snake and the main character from uh, the series as well. I was like, this is really cool, but I've never seen anyone draw Santa. So I really, I would like you to be the first. And she was totally honored by that. So I, I really appreciate it. Um, I'm going to put this array away real quick. But uh, recently, I'm trying to think of a way to show everyone else. Are, are links banned in the YouTube chat? Like, will they be automatically deleted? I
0: don't, uh, I don't think so. If not, okay. you can send it to me and I can post it
1: okay yeah i can i'll do that and then i'll also in the chat so let me put these away real quick without destroying my webcam again
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: this webcam still hasn't recovered it's,
0: me. it's so interesting to, use, to like use the soundboard. it's so <laughs> it's interesting like... when you announce new roles um because <sighs> you mentioned 999 and paul bought that on ds back when it originally came out and then we mm-hmm. heard that you were in the game after they, they remastered it for Steam, and we're like, hey, there he is, again. <laughs> okay, so
1: I have to find... Oh my god, where did I post it? Where did I post it? I have to remember. I have to remember. Okay, I know I know how I can do it. Uh tarot, Dactylok, yep, go to that. Okay, it's in pictures. So back at this convention called uh, ShutoCon... These uh, a group of girls who I wish I remembered their names said they were trying to come up with what my spirit animal would be, and they decided on a pterodactyl. So they drew, <laughs> they drew. Oh yeah, I can't do it. I can't. Re- I can't do the. Wa- Let me see if I can do it without the wa- uh, with the colon and the slash and the slash, and the net and the dot. Okay, let's try that. <laughs> nope, that you're gonna you're gonna have to send it to them. Uh, anyway. I just
0: modded you, so it might work now.
1: Okay, let's try this. Yeah! Okay, so they drew me as a pterodactyl, and they said, this is your spirit animal. I'm like, I'm a pterodactyl-like, let's freaking go. This (laughs) This was back in March, so nothing had happened yet that made this super relevant. This was back in March, and I had had this dead period between February and April where I was just not booking any new studio work. At the very end of April... The very end of April, I finally booked a new studio gig, and it was for an anime called *Screechers Wild*. And my character is known as Rivadactyl. He is a car. He is a car that can transform into a mechanical pterodactyl. Oh, so man without even knowing it, these girls had had foretold telepathy had foretold the next character role that I would get. And I'm just in awe. I'm in awe that the exact of all things of all characters to get cast as, it is a pterodactyl that becomes my next role. So that is that is just precious to me. It's close to my heart and it's it is it is canon now that my inner spirit animal, is a very loud pterodactyl.
0: Oh my god, that's fantastic. (laughs) So, essentially, like, if you want Sean to voice in something that he hasn't done before, you just have to draw a picture of it. You gotta draw a picture of it. Yeah, and then give it to him.
1: It's like a reverse reverse death note, where if you draw in the picture of the creature that you want me to play, that will be what I next get cast as.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Logan, I'll toss uh, questions 10 and 11 to you since um, they were from you.
3: I actually don't. I didn't, I didn't put anything in here. Are they Paul's?
2: Wow, Brandon. I thought they, they were Logan. I looked,
3: I, okay, Cherry, here's what happened. I looked through here, and I'm like, okay, is there anything I want to add? Is there anything I can think to add? And I'm like, this is pretty comprehensive. Like, I'd have to spend a disproportionate amount of time reading through these and deciding, like, what I wanted. Because this is, again, this is a comprehensive
2: list here. <laughs> then There's I'll toss it to Paul. Okay. Okay. Um. So if you could voice any anime or video game character you wanted, who would you choose? Or in other words, what's your dream role?
1: It's not a specific character, but it's a specific genre of game. It is no secret on my Twitter that I am a phenomenally huge fan of dungeon crawlers. I got into it ever since Entry Odyssey 4. I got introduced to Vita Dungeon Crawlers back during my time at NAS America. I co-wrote the most comprehensive mechanics guide for Demon Gaze 1 that exists on the web in English. Um, I didn't do one for Demon Gaze 2, but I sure as heck played it the moment that it came out. Um, And most recently when Entry Odyssey 5 came out, I played it from start to finish on the hardest difficulty mode and beat it 100%. I did every single thing there was to do in that game. My dream role at this point, because like my my goals in voiceover, I will always set a new one for myself. But it was, Mm -hmm. you know, I want to be in an anime, and then I got that. It was, I want to be on Toonami, and I got that. It was, I want to play in a lead role uh, on a game that has more than one installment. I got that. It was, now I want to be a lead role in anime. I got that. So now the current one is, I want to be either a create-your-own-party-member voice type, or if there's a story mode like there has been in the recent Etrian Odyssey installments, I want there, I want to be one of the story mode party members uh, that tag along with you throughout the entire adventure. The idea of being able to be the voice that you hear when you are, you've made this team of people who are fighting together through all these dungeons and you hear me going, I got this, all right, my turn. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't laugh at my performance, man. But, THIS IS A LAUGH OF JOY AND APPRECIATION! <laughs> HOW DARE YOU MISINTERPRET MY LAUGH?! <laughs> <laughs> LIKE ZOIG SCOOP WE GOTTA SOLVE THIS MYSTERY MAN! <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so so the idea of if i could be i got to be it a little bit because there's this game i've been playing called mary skelter and i voice mm-hmm. uh, mamoru and chiharu slash hitsuka in that um, and they're not, they're, they're scenario characters. They're not part of the main party, but it was my first experience with getting to be part of the same genre of game that I actually play most often. If I could be in a dungeon crawler, if I could be in Etrian Odyssey Nexus, the, the next installment, which I think is going to be like the last Etrian Odyssey installment that comes out, at least as far as handhelds. Oh, oh my god, it's been my major dream. Like, That that is it. That is what I want, is to be a, a major role in a dungeon crawl. That's it. that That's what it is.
0: So, uh, for those of you it. who are listening right now, that means go ahead and draw some fan art, and then send it off to Sean. We're going to make it happen.
1: Draw, draw some fan art of which class I would be in Etrian Odyssey Nexus.
0: There you go. <laughs> Problem All solved.
1: Please, please, and then send it to me. No, this so is a... Can send-
0: this is a real request.
1: <laughs> so I can send it to Atlas and be like, hey, these people want me as a character.
0: <laughs> They're asking for me. That.
1: It's not what I told them, but I'm
0: going to pretend it now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, Logan, I'll have you ask the last question.
3: Um, I will ask this question, but I actually did think of something uh, that I will ask you after this. Because okay. um, uh, this is actually something that I also personally struggle with. But before this question... Uh, What's it like to hear your voice
1: in in these works? Well, it doesn't happen as often as you think. Again, because dungeon crawlers are the genre I play, so in a dungeon crawler, so I can actually hear myself. <laughs> right. um, and and I think I touched on it earlier when I said it's both exciting and terrifying because now I'm at that point where. I get to voice in very high profile games. So I have confidence in my abilities, but I'm hoping that the audience enjoys the performance as much as I enjoyed giving it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. So, so I don't know. It's just one of those things where I kind of, I I try to keep myself so busy that I don't have time to much time to reflect on past performances beyond, you know, what, what did I do? Well, what could I improve from it? But in terms of, um, it's both great and bittersweet and I'll, I'll give examples of both because I have examples of both for Breath of the Wild it's it's great to hear my voice in the game because you know I, I get to think about the fact that I'm in this giant game that I was in a launch a, a flagship title for Nintendo Switch the first canon voice Zelda game from Nintendo America that's a permanent part of my legacy that's freaking cool man <laughs> um, and it's it's just uh, the, the pride that I feel in knowing that I was trusted by Nintendo to be a part of the vocal cast for a game that they clearly were selling very hard when it came out. Um, and then I look at stuff like uh, ReZero, and I am so, so proud of... Of what I did is super Natsuki. I'm so proud of how far I was able to take the intensity. You know how I was able. To, I'm I'm relatively proud of what I was able to do for the scenes where he had to show vulnerability, where I had to break down and cry. Because let me tell you, there's only two modes of crying when it comes to vocal performance: authentic and not authentic. So, <laughs> but at the same time, it's kind of bittersweet because. I've heard all of these things about how the the DVDs for ReZero really weren't of great quality. And it just feels like the show isn't being given much marketing or much advertisement in favor of other stuff. And so I am proud of what I did, but I don't want to force people to be proud of it for me. Because if the show isn't going to get that much attention, it's not in my power to try and force it into the limelight. So... Yeah. It's, I don't know, again, I just try to focus on, I feel like if my, if my recognition is going to come from a performance, it will come from people recognizing the performance, the people who chose to watch the show or play the game, not from me or other cast members saying, hey, you should play this game, you should watch this show, you know, because it's the hot thing right now. So, um... Yeah, maybe maybe once I start to hear myself and more stuff, I'll be able to to answer that question more thoroughly. But I so far have just looked at it as, from a professional standpoint. It's right. Did you did you do this well? How did you approach this character voice? What what could you learn from this? What can you do better for next time? I'm always always looking forward to what can I do for next time? Because I don't want to rest on the laurels of a previous performance. I want there to always be something new for me to talk about oh, something else yes. for me to add to my yes, portfolio. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, that's
3: great to hear. Uh, Cause again, as, as someone who, who is always looking to do, and, and I think it'd be really silly. I, I think it's, I think it'd be really silly not to think about that because like what's, what's the point unless you're constantly improving, you're constantly besting yourself, like hitting a plateau, that would be, really discouraging like to to find yourself at a point that you're like oh i can't get better and so i don't think there's ever a point where people can't be better or do something different and stretch stretch their uh, skill set or for you know voice actors do something that's you know out of your comfort zone because and like especially, it's different
1: especially in regards to the industry let's presume for a, fa- for a moment that you actually cannot get any better. Let's pretend you're, you are you know, uh, uh, I'm trying to, you're Patrick Stewart and you have reached the pinnacle of theatrical ability. That does not mean that the industry trends are not going to change. Let's look at commercials. In the 90s, everything was super hyper, buy this cereal today, you know? You know, and buy this toy. In the 2000s for commercials, uh, it, even into the late 2000s, um commercials went for that you know i'm your best friend next door dude we've always been best friends you know for all of time and i'm telling you about this cool thing but then people got really annoyed by that because they're like i don't know who this person is what why are they talking to me like we know each other so now the commercials have changed from i'm your best friend to i'm someone you want to be best friends with You, you there's a very subtle difference because There's a difference between acting very chill and laid back versus sounding cool and interesting and someone you want to get to know. If you look at games, um, back in, right now, there's a lot of fighting games coming out. So it's probably really important for people who wanna get into the industry to know how to do fighting game character efforts. Um, uh, Prior to that, you know, Japanese RPGs weren't really big, but they've been getting bigger. Uh, even just within the industry, there's all these different facets, whether there's Western RPGs, you know, visual novels, um, fighting games, like I said, uh, what's something that's been really big that's been published lately. Um, just, just, you can look, you can see what types of games are getting picked up, what kinds of series are being brought back time and time again. So even if you are at the top of your performance ability, if you aren't able to adapt to what the big ticket items are in the games and commercial advertising industries are at that moment, you're not gonna be relevant for very long. Um, people, the fact that I voiced Rivali in Breath of the Wild doesn't really mean anything for my future auditions. Uh, in the best case scenario because, uh, well, it's not really best case, worst case, but because clients aren't gonna look uh, at characters you've played Beyond can they play this archetype? Because even once you get into the archetype, each company is going to want their character, want their product represented a certain way. They're not going to say, we want you to do exactly what you did for Rivali from Breath of the Wild, because then people are going to be like, oh, he sounds like this other game, rather than, ah, I really like what he did for this character in this game by AAA company, you know, Bethesda or Blizzard or, you know, Sega or NIS America, you know? So, um, it's, it's a matter of, they will only look at it in terms of, do we think he's capable of playing this character type that we have here? And if so, they'll send you the audition. Um, but after that, you have to be able to work with them directly to come up with something brand new every single time. You can borrow elements from past performances, but you're not really ever gonna just do the exact same thing that you did for Project A five years ago. You, all, you have to be adaptive to new situations.
3: Okay, well, That's a fantastic answer. That's a fancy, I, you know, I, and I'll express this before I ask my final question um, is one of the things that I love to emphasize is just being, being better, right? Whether that being better with people, better at your job, better at loving people, better at being decent to people. Like, it always helps to gather as much information as you can to make the best decisions and, and go in the direction that's going to give you the most opportunity. Um, and so hearing all of this, I mean, you're not just speaking to the audience. I mean, you're speaking to us, you know, we hear this and we're like, oh my gosh. And some of it's encouraging because like I I've had some of the same thoughts and then other, other, Comments are encouraging because it's like, I've never even thought about it that way before, you know? But the Um, more conversations I have, the more things I realize. Um, And so with that, with that, uh, I wanna ask you, mm -hmm. how throughout the years, have you stayed motivated, especially in times where things don't feel like they're moving very quickly and you don't feel like you'll ever make it because it's like, oh, this trajectory that I'm currently moving at, uh, it doesn't seem like you know I'll ever get to this that is, point.
1: This is the selfish answer. And this is because a lot of times uh, in workshops, they'll say, if you'd rather be doing anything else than voiceover, go, go do that instead. And this is where the selfish answer comes in because that hasn't gone away. There are still times when I get really doubtful of myself. Like during that period from February to April where I was not booking anything, I didn't know what to think. I literally had a case, I had temporary, but it was a depressive episode. It was really bad. And I'm so glad that my my fiance slash wife was there to be at my side. But every time that I have had the thought of maybe I'm not cut out for voiceover, You know maybe i'm not as good as good at this as i think i am or maybe i'm not i'm not worth it even if i were even if it were true even if it were true that i didn't have the skill set to become as good as patrick stewart or or you know ian mckellen or someone like that um any time that i think of not auditioning for stuff it just doesn't register because there will always be something that comes along that I see and I go, holy crap, I wanna be a part of that. Whether it's Breath of the Wild or Demon Gaze or Etrian Odyssey, there will always be some show, there, there are still auditions for shows that I, I, I get and I see the character breakdown and I've never seen the show, I've never heard about the show prior to this audition side and I see a character and go, oh my God, the fun that I would have if I were cast as them. And that will, I I remind myself that that will always happen. There will always be another case where there's a project that I hear about or a show that's getting produced or an audition that I get that I want to be a part of and that will always keep me invested in this industry. And the, the moment that I lose that enthusiasm, the moment that I stop being excited about the opportunities that I have before me, that will be when I truly stop doing voiceover. And it is my goal to die in the middle of being looking forward to something, because then I'll know that I've actually lived a full.
3: That's fantastic.
0: I don't think I could have said that any better. That was, yeah, that mm-hmm. is um, that is advice for a lot of people, to be honest. Like we said this yeah. time and time again, you know, this applies to to anything that you're doing, like uh, for us, you know, me and Paul, we've been, you know, online and making videos for almost 10 years. We're coming up on 10 years very shortly. Um, but that hasn't stopped us We're we just hit 700 subscribers and we're going to keep moving forward with it. Um, and, uh, I, I like the way that you said that if you ever, if you ever would be rather doing anything else, maybe you shouldn't be doing it or, um, you know, being in that kind of mindset, uh, it's really speaks to me because there'll be, be days where I'm frustrated and I don't think that I'm, cut out for it but then i you know i think about it i'm like well i work in commercials right now so obviously somebody thinks i'm good enough
1: having Uh, having something to live for makes it a lot easier to put off dying yes yeah
2: and we'll put that on a motivational poster for you
1: (laughs) so
3: and and i guess i want to talk a little bit about my own motivations because again this is something that i think just about anybody struggles with, right? But sometimes you feel like you're the only one who struggles with it because you're, we're also self-absorbed sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would encourage anybody, you know, if there's something you wanna do find every reason to do it. You don't need just one reason. And so when you have three, four, five reasons, the more reasons you have to do something, the more motivated you are to do something. Uh, and so I can say one of the biggest motivations, say, uh, about this channel and, and my motivations to create uh, video content is the fact that I don't have to do it alone. I I get to do it with Paul and I get to do it with Brandon and, and as, as a, and that's not, that's not for everybody. Not everybody thinks or functions the way I think, but I'm a very, I'm a very social person. I would much rather create in a room with three or four other people than create alone. It's why I like to do music. I, it's why I would, Mm -hmm. You know, I'm looking to move to St. Louis here pretty soon because uh, there's more connections, there's more people I know, and so there's more opportunities. Uh, so find every reason you can to do the things that you want to do, uh, and and that'll you know, not again. You, there's no guarantees, but it'll increase the likelihood in in which that you'll you'll
1: be able to do those things. one one thing that I noticed has helped in my especially when it comes to freelance projects is passionate people attract other passionate people a perfect example is winds of change um, winds of change is a visual novel story being created by Clace, uh, at Clace on Twitter and originally uh, winds of change was just going to be a straight text visual novel and I was so in love with the design aesthetic of the game that I reached out to Clayson. and I said, hey, I don't know if you ever planned on having voiceover for this, but if you are, I'd like to help you set up an audition thread. I said, it doesn't have to be full VO. You don't have to cast me. I would just love to see this succeed. And I can, it can either be full voiceover. It could be just sound effects and efforts because some games do that where it's just they do emotional context sounds. Um, and originally, he was interested, it's like, you know what, I'll look into doing, like, the emotional context sounds. I think giving the characters a vocal life will help it out. A year later, he had gotten so invested in, in the extra quality that good voiceover gave his project that he took the project from only text to full VO for all scenes. Like he's still doing it to this day and now I'm working with him alongside this project. So it literally went from enthusiastic me talks to game guy about, have you considered doing VO for this project? Game guy ends up making the entire game full of voiceover because he's so enthralled with the idea and he's got all these passionate people on his team. You will be amazed what can be accomplished by literally what amounts to three or four people all looking at each other going, (laughs) you'd be surprised you'd be surprised so just be passionate be passionate what you do find a reason to share that passion find a reason to reach out to people who have passions related to yours be professional about it see what happens man freaking a freedom planet 2 is coming out For the original Freedom Planet was cast on Voice Acting Club. A bunch of us who who recorded for the first game are now working professionals. We were amateurs back then when the first game came out. I used
0: to audition on that website. (laughs) We,
1: We still do. Voice Acting Club is still the largest, most comprehensive amateur voice acting forum and connection hub on the net today. It used to be Voice Acting Club and Voice Acting Alliance, and now there's Casting Call Club. But I, I would argue that Voice Acting Club, which is still active, by the way, and just got overhauled, is the number one amateur voice acting website to go to nowadays, if you're trying to get into the craft and network with people.
0: Remember that. And
1: so I will I will type it up in, in the group right now, because... If you ask me, what should I do to get into voiceover? That is one of the first sites I'm going to give you.
0: It's it's interesting that you bring this up because um, like back when I first heard you as as Packery um, in Smash Tasm, uh, mm-hmm. voice acting was I was something that interested me. It was something that I considered doing, um, and I don't remember if it was through you that I found Voice Acting Club or uh, Kellen Goff, but uh, one of you guys told me about Voice Acting Club. I think it may have been Kellen. And uh, then I got on there, and I started auditioning, you know, for you know random machinima for for cartoons and whatnot. And I landed a couple things, and I had fun with it. Um, I still voice in a web cartoon by Scoot Wukos today, Um, Mm -hmm. but that's how I got my start. And it was ultimately for me how I decided that uh, being on the production side was more or less what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it gave me that opportunity to to voice to experience it and you know make that discovery for myself so definitely go to that website it's a great place Mm -hmm. um so that was a fantastic interview sean you have great answers and very comprehensive it's definitely helpful for i imagine everyone here um
1: thank you for giving me the opportunity i
0: appreciate it yeah definitely Mm -hmm. but we would like to talk about all the games, movies, anime, TV, all that stuff that we've been doing over the last week for the second half of our show. Hey, there you go, the Breakdown <laughs> Podcast. This is the Breakdown segment. Um, usually we start with movies and TV, but I didn't actually do any of that this week. So, Sean, I'm actually going to toss it. it to you. What did you watch this week?
1: Oh, man, I have not watched much of anything this week could be super, super addicted to MapleStory 2. I voiced the male Berserker class in the game, so I've been repping it, and they've had this pre-release event going on. Uh, my wife has been catching up on the new season of My Hero Academia, which I should honestly start watching. Uh, but I'm also... What, what, what?
3: Okay, so for the past few weeks, is it is it me and Brandon? Yeah. i dropped the ball because we've been pretty consistent about watching My Hero Academia. And I had a thought earlier, like, oh, I could take this time. I have plenty of free time. I could watch and catch up with My Hero Academia. But then I got really into the soundboard and doing other, like, actual productive things. So I'm mm. not exactly upset that I didn't watch it. But I'm also like, oh, I should probably get around to that soon. Yeah, I'm three weeks behind. <laughs> My, <fine. laughs>
1: My Hero Academia is an example of a show where the genre and the plot is so obvious but it's done so well that you don't care like like you don't care that it's so obvious you're just like yeah. oh my god you know the heroes are going to win they're going to do this thing and, and they're going to come at the last second and save them but god it's all so beautiful get out of here Manetta. no one cares about you <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah like I, you, you there's all these like uh, youtubers who talk specifically like about shonen anime you know I, we talked about Roger's base earlier and he's big into one piece um mm-hmm. I watch shown in anime because I know what I'm getting myself into, so definitely, so, definitely buy the books as far as that goes.
1: I also have seen the upcoming trailers for that boxing anime called uh, Megalo Box or something like that. So I'm gonna want to oh, check out. Oh,
2: <laughs> Logan might like it.
1: I oh,
3: continue.
2: <laughs> I that's it.
1: I want to check it out
3: it's really good i watched yeah. i watched it as it was airing i watched it through Con- Crunchyroll, and i loved every minute of it. And, it and it was great because it was like it was, it was a <sighs> change of pace because so many <sighs> things, uh so many shows i'm watching obviously there's season three there's season four season five magalo box is like here's 13 episodes there you go and i'm like what a great change of pace and it was like it's also like uh it's like if you took all the best moments from like a, a five-season anime and then just like cut out all the crap, and then just here's 13 episodes of just
0: pure boxing bliss.
2: Yep. And boxing bliss it was.
0: Uh, so that's all you watched this week, Sean? Yep, pretty much. All right, Paul, I'll go ahead and toss it to you.
2: All right, so uh, starting off, I was just kind of looking for a fun movie to sit down and watch. And I landed on Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I love this movie because it's been it had been a long time since I had seen it. Um, so essentially, you have a, a group of college kids going on a camping trip for the weekend um, out in the woods, the you know, middle of nowhere, and they keep coming across these two hillbilly-looking people, Tucker and Dale, who bought a cabin in the woods that's you know super rundown, but it's their dream to have a vacation home. So they're you know drinking beer they're fishing just having a good old time and you keep getting this um you keep getting like the perspective of both groups you know because they're they're just out to have fun they don't really mean to bother anyone they're just really they're really cool dudes and then the college kids are terrified of these people they you know just keep projecting onto them that they're these psychotic murderers and they're just out to kill them all and so because they keep like overblowing the situation the college kids you know start dying and so to tucker and dale it's oh my god these college kids are just killing they're just killing themselves on my property what is going on and the college kids are just like oh my god they keep killing us even though they're actually just killing themselves. Isn't there
0: one death where like a dude just like jumps into a wood chipper? Head
2: first into a wood chipper. <laughs> and it's the juxtaposition of like the two perspectives is just so hilarious. And the situation just keeps escalating. And just when you think like you know, this can't get any more ridiculous. It always finds a way. It always finds a way. That's a okay. vs so, um,
3: versus evils a are- really
2: solid film (laughs) i mean one of the main themes of it is um not judging people by appearance and they just play with it so well i think uh one of the last well i'm not gonna spoil that but uh if you uh if you don't mind a bit of gore like brandon said one kid jumps into a chipper shredder head first uh, um that doesn't bother you this is a hilarious movie and I highly recommend it.
3: I think it, it also helps the context of the film, right? Cause it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's obviously like a black comedy. Um, so that makes it a little bit easier to digest.
2: Yeah. Um, so after that, I sat down and um, my family was watching before I fall. And uh, it's essentially a groundhog's day type film um, where End of the day, the person wakes up the er, wakes up at the start of that same day again, the next day, and okay. uh, there's some type of revelation that they have to come to, um, some change they have to make with themselves in order for the day to stop repeating. And in this case, you have um, the popular clique at school, or just really awful kids, mean to everyone around them, and a lot of in a lot of the cases, they can't even explain why they're mean. They just are um and so you have to the girl or the main character has to slowly learn to be a decent human being to these people around her and uh there's one central action that ultimately needs to be changed in order for the day to stop repeating um but the ending without spoiling it puts a nice twist on the genre hmm so
1: and what was it it, called again
2: Before I fall. Okay. It's not movie of the year for me, but it's worth a watch if it's on, you know. Where did you see? Where did you catch that? My family was watching it. I think uh, we had like a free premium movie channel weekend. Oh, okay. And so my dad just records every movie that sounds remotely decent, and that was one (laughs) of them.
0: (laughs) Hey, it makes for a good movie night. Yeah. Um, But that was it for me this week. (laughs) And then uh, Logan, we'll toss it to you. Well, okay, so
3: I've I've been I've been at home, not my my apartment, but my parents' house, uh, with all my siblings for the past few days, and so you kind of fall into old habits, and one of my old habits is falling asleep to Futurama, and I kid you not, I've seen the entirety of Futurama maybe fifteen times. I've lost track. Um, and so I've done a lot of Futurama watching the jokes don't get old they're always solid um it, I just I don't know why I am obsessed with like anything animated, right? anything animated like if you if you give me a choice between watching an animated film and a live action film, I'll probably choose the animated film even if it's a worst film. Uh, I'm obsessed with adult animated shows as an adult because, obviously, that kind of humor appeals to me. Futurama, always a classic. Fallen asleep to episodes where Bender is um, posing as Flexo, who is another bending unit, and the only difference is uh, Flexo has a little, like, a, you know, detachable, like like a goatee, and, and he's trying to, um, you know test this woman who's really into him by posing as flexo who is her like ex, right but then it's like self-defeating because then she falls for flexo again and all this other stuff um and so he kind of just put himself in that own situation outside of that not adult animation uh steven universe i have seen the first three seasons uh, but i haven't been keeping up because the episodes kind of drip very slowly out, right? Um, so I decided I wanted to start watching it over again. So I watched the first episode again, and and that's really fantastic. Uh, Steven Universe is just, it's a very wholesome show. I love, love, love wholesome shows. Uh, anything that's like, oh, you can do it, you know, I'm just a sucker for it, right? Uh, outside of Steven Universe, I also watched a little bit of uh, another fantastic modern show uh, that's geared towards a younger audience um the amazing world of gumball and um,
0: i love gumball
3: though okay and i watched the first episode and and i will never get over the first episode of gumball because it's i think it's iconic it is so iconic um it's called the dvd and so it starts off where gumball's sitting on the couch and he's just lounging and his mom's like okay Uh, You got to gather up the DVD because it's due back soon. Uh, And this is probably something that not a lot of younger kids have experienced, but like, obviously I remember going to Blockbuster and renting a DVD and having to return it. Uh, But turn after turn after turn, uh, like everything goes wrong. Right. And it's so funny because he walks, he walks in the kitchen to, to, you know, see what Darwin's up to. And he realizes that Darwin is using the DVD to cut a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's got cheese all over it. And he yells at Darwin, Darwin, what are you doing? That's not a pizza cutter. That's the DVD. And he goes, ah. Like I don't care, Like whatever. And so he, he tries to clean off the, the the cheese with a sponge, but he uses the green scrubber side oh, no. and scratches oh, no. up the disc and ruins it. And then afterwards, something happens and it flies up in the air and then it falls into the garbage disposal in the sink. <laughs> and so the rest of the film, they're not the rest of the film, the rest of the episode, they're trying to figure out like how to remedy the situation. And Darwin keeps repeating. It's like, okay, what do we what do we do? And Darwin goes, Uh, take you know, responsibility for our actions and tell mom. You know, and encouraging like people, this is what you should do. This is what you should do. And Gumball keeps going, Nah, that's not it. And so they go through all, all these things, all these things. And, and Darwin says the same thing over and over and over again until eventually the mom finds out. Right. Uh, and at the very end of the episode, they go and they try to explain everything, Um and the the worker is furious, and he explains something that the mom doesn't want to hear. And then the mom is the one who's the irresponsible one, and tells them to run. And so they run out of the store, and that's how the episode ends. <laughs> it's just, it's classic. It's classic. Watch Gumball. It's on
0: Hulu. It's really good. It, you, it's so good. It's so my favorite.
1: My favorite is still when they're losing animation budget to take the part time job. At the store (laughs) (laughs) like just just imagine being one of the animators keeping track of everything you were doing and imagine for the first time your boss like walking over looking looks too good make it worse
0: yeah (laughs) no not bad enough
3: and one (laughs) and i think just overall gumball what it does well is um it takes advantage of the fact that it's a cartoon and it doesn't take itself seriously, and they do a whole myriad of things that you'd never expect. And obviously, they have that juxtaposition of like the two D animated characters and the three D animated characters, and so it's just this jumbled mess of like mixed media that just works too well. So that's that's always great. Um, and then I guess I'll just I'll just go into my my anime for the week,
0: my anime. anime. For the week. Uh,
3: because I finished the Stardust Crusaders arc of JoJo, uh, so I'm I'm officially on the fourth season. I haven't started the fourth season, uh, but the end of the season got really rough because people just started dying, <laughs> and they really felt the the power the power that Dio has, you know. Um, and and I don't necessarily want to spoil it. But it turns out you find out that um, you're in this hopeless situation. There's there's no way that any of these characters could deal, you know, with this baddie. And all of a sudden, they find a way, little by little, after a bunch of other people have died. Um, But I'm excited for the next arc because... um, the the current JoJo uh, Kujo JoToro is um, apparently has an illegitimate son, <laughs> and that's the next JoJo for the next arc, and it's so like <laughs> it fits the character, and I I love the contrast between all the different um you know arcs and the different jojos because they're all like very different especially like the first jojo very much a gentleman and then you get joseph joestar and then he's he's a little bit he's just doesn't really care he's a jokester and um and then you know kujo jotaro he's just i don't care about anybody and my mom's a bee, and and i'm a i'm a i'm a you know i real bad dude and and i just i love it so it just it makes sense that he'd have an illegitimate son and like the other people got like the other two jojos got married and had like kids but he's like nope i just i messed around with a lady and uh here's the next art so that's where i'm at with that i can't recommend it enough guys you gotta watch jojo you gotta watch
1: jojo
0: I swear that's gonna happen, but if I never watch the three episodes of My Hero I'm Behind On, I might never I might never make it.
1: <laughs> it's an hour and a half, man. Not even. It's like an hour. I but
0: know. Be...
2: <laughs> Who has
1: time
0: though? It's like there's so much
2: I could do with an hour and a half.
0: It's like the self-fulfilling prophecy where I, I feel shame every time I get a week behind. But also knowing that it wouldn't be that much of a commitment to catch up. But then, then <laughs> it grows larger the more times I put it off, and the guilt gets worse. <laughs> Eventually, I'll catch up. It's like I stopped watching Naruto Shippuden for like over a year. It's,
1: oh, you should watch. You have to watch the spin off series Boruto's Dad.
0: I I am. I heard good things about that one. Yeah, oh, yeah, that oh, one's oh Boruto's dad. dad. Yeah, definitely. I have all that on DVD. Um, the
3: fact that we've made that joke on the show before. <laughs> uh,
0: speaking of like long form anime and older anime, I've been watching the the Pokemon uh, Twitch Sun Moon. Oh, not the not Sun and Moon, place? yeah, the Twitch, Twitch marathon. Uh,
1: okay,
0: that. Thank you. Marathon escaped me. My entire vocabulary. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just like keep it on in the background while I do um, do some work, and I'm like 50 episodes deep now. I'm surprised like how quickly. I got that far, but they do like eight <laughs> hours of episodes a day on, on weekdays. And then on Friday, they do a rerun of, uh, I don't know if they do like a rerun of the whole week or just a, like a day or two, but it's been mm. nice to kind of relive Pokemon, especially the Indigo League. I own the entire Indigo League on DVD. In fact, I own all of Pokemon all the way up to the end of the Hoenn League on DVD. Gee, uh, cricket. Well, my wife loves Pokemon, so I keep buying her the box sets to come out. Um, I also love Pokemon, so I guess I fit in that too, but, uh, it's, it's kind of nice to not like have to put in a DVD and press play. It's just kind of odd and I just kind of let it go.
3: Um, I like streaming services.
0: I like Twitch. (laughs) So yeah, it's been a nice distraction. Um, it's one of those comfort shows for me, just something that I've, you know, I'm familiar with and that I can go back to and know I'll have a good time with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's been good for that. Uh, it's also always nice to go back and hear Veronica Taylor as Ash and the original cast before um, they were changed over with uh, Battlefront Um So yeah, that's all the anime I did. And then Paul, but, I think you have something.
2: Yeah, um, so this past week I decided to go back and watch one of my old favorites um, Soul Eater. I think like two weeks ago uh, Dream Drop Sword in the chat had tweeted the second opening theme and... Uh, Fun fact, it's my jam. I love I love that opening so much. It's um it's a real standout from like just anime openings as a whole that I've experienced in my life. Um but also the show itself is such a unique show. Like it's hard to describe just how unique this world is, and they just kind of slowly build it out, but like everything has personality even down to, like, the sun moon in the sky, they all have faces. And, like, I think the moon in particular is like, just got blood running down its face. And it's just normal, you know? Yep. It's, it's normal Tuesday stuff for, every, or for all the characters. Normal Tuesday stuff. So. question it. Um, but the premise of the show is you have Meisters and their weapons. The weapons are people, and they transform into the weapons, um, and they their souls connect with their Meister. And the Meister's goal in life is to collect ninety-nine Kishin souls—souls of you know, just evil.
0: For a second, uh, you were telling me the plot of Xenoblade Chronicles 2, and I was like, <laughs> "Come
2: on, I haven't made it that—I haven't made it to the plot of that game yet." So, spoilers, man. No, just the whole driver and blade relationship. That, yeah. Basically, actually, um, so they collect ninety-nine Kishin souls, so souls of evil monster things. <laughs> And once you've collected 99, the last soul you need is the soul of a witch, which will be significantly more powerful than anything you face to get the other 99 Kishin souls. But once you have that, your soul turns into a death scythe. From the new item in Smash Ultimate. Exactly. (laughs) It it achieves its final form and just goes full on free. Run,
1: Luigi, run!
2: (laughs) And so, um, at that point, I think your weapon goes on to be Lord Death's weapon. Because, you know, wouldn't you know, Death is an actual character in this anime? Of course. He's he's the, he's the headmaster of the... For all the Meisters. Sure. <laughs> Why not? But this it's an anime that's just so full of personality, and it's just such a unique experience, um, that I just absolutely adore the series, and, uh... I'm, if I remember correctly, Brandon, Logan, you guys haven't seen it? I have not, no.
3: No. It's really
0: good. It's
3: Please really do. good.
2: Please do. I'm going to write that on my invisible well, list.
3: I'm, I'm at the point where I'm running out of anime to watch, right? And so now it's a decision of like, okay, where do I go next, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's there's a few considerations, and that might be one of them.
2: Put on that list. You You probably won't regret it. It'd be hard to um but other than that i'm i'm 10 episodes deep of like 52 and so i'm just gonna keep rolling with that for a while and that's it for anime for me that
0: brings us to games for the week and i'm gonna throw it to to sean what have you been playing
1: maple story too baby Woo! so here's the thing they've got this they've got this thing called uh mushkin basically maple story Fortnite but they have a ranking leaderboard and the top-ranked people are going to get prizes that transfer over to the the official release in October. So I have been playing that nonstop since it started on, like, August 22nd. So we're on our second week now. It runs until October 1st. It's going to be... It's what I was doing before this interview. It's what I'm going to be doing after this interview. I'm a very one-note person. Like, I focus on one thing, and that's the thing that I play until I'm done with it. When Entry 5 came out... It was all I played until I beat it 100, um, percent and that's why I've been working on Mary Skelter. But since Maple Story 2 started up and I hadn't finished Mary Skelter yet, now that's kind of in the background. It's going to get touched. Um, but if I can also use this time to recommend a game to people that they play, do it. There is a game on the PlayStation 2 which actually got announced. Uh, a Twitter account, I think it's RPG Facts or something like that. Um, I'm gonna try and find it on my account while I talk about it. There's this PS2 game called Jade Cocoon 2. Jade Cocoon 1 was more of a typical RPG where you absorb monster souls into yourself and, you know, you, you fight all these other guys. But Jade Cocoon 2 was more of a monster collection game. And the only thing that I have a softer spot for than Dungeon Crawlers is monster collection games. Jay Cocoon 2 made up so much of my, of my young childhood. Um, and I also owned it four separate times before I actually beat it. Because oh. I would start it, get a fair way into it, get distracted, come back after like several months, have no idea where I was in the game, and start from scratch. So it wasn't until halfway or right near the end of college that I actually beat it for good. And I was so, I was like, I'm free. I can finally be done. (laughs) The curse is lifted. But I played through it again last year just because I enjoyed it so much. And what's interesting to me is for a game that came out during the PS2 era, Jake Coon 2 is 100% voice acted. There There is not a single box of dialogue that shows up with a character name next to it that that i mean outside of like a menu screen like if you're in a shop menu and the character says what do you want to buy sure if you are if there is a dialogue box with the character name on it there's a voice attached to it and there is a lot of dialogue in this game there are npcs that you can talk to like when you meet them in the overworld all of those dialogue boxes have have text uh have voice over to them and that is just so impressive to me because The voiceover is also, it's a little bit campy. It's kind of like Saturday morning campy, but it's not bad. Like, and the the inquisitive you know scholar who's trying to figure out ways to understand the forest he sounds like an inquisitive scholar and the, and the the very hot-headed you know hot-blooded uh, warrior who wants to beat you because he considers himself your rival he legitimately sounds like someone who's hot-headed and and is you know rough and tumble. It, they fit the characters which fun fact this game was recorded at the same recording studio that did Persona 5 okay Uh, pcb productions so uh it's just it's a big part of me it's a it's It's a game that I enjoyed in the past for one reason, and now that I'm a professional voiceover artist, I enjoy it for an entirely different reason. There are auditions that I do to this day where I will look up voice clips of some of these characters, especially Dr. Gill, and reference their character personality uh, as part of how I perform the character in my audition. So it's a huge part of of my, my past, and if you're a person who's into monster collection or fusion games, I highly recommend you try it.
0: Okay, and what was the what was the name of that again? It's called Jade Cocoon Two.
1: I sent you guys. I accidentally closed out the uh, the interview, but I sent the link to you guys. And uh, if you want to post it to them, they can check it out as well. It might be a little pricey. Let me see what it costs on uh, Amazon because it's one of those games that kind of fell, you know, off the it fell off the side of the earth. Yeah, you're gonna spend about a hundred forty bucks, hundred fifty bucks if you want it, Ooh. but. You can get it used if you have a good disc-cleaning software or if you're willing to just take a shot. You can get it used for under 30 bucks. So
0: Not bad. Yep. All right. Uh, thanks, Joe, for posting that in the chat. Um, and then what else have you been playing? Uh, me? Yeah. Did oh, you have anything man. else?
1: I'm trying to think of what I played before that. Um, I really want to get into Octopath Tri- uh, I, I Not because I voiced Darius and Warner in it, but because when I first saw Octopath, I thought it was going to be something similar to Crystal Chronicles, which I was a huge, huge fan of. And when I saw that it was like sprite work with HD graphics, I was like, what are they doing? And yet, and yet, the development team behind Octopath managed to make it work in a way where now I look at it and go, yeah, that's the only way this game could have been made. And and the music is great. The 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 party, I just really like the way the battle system looks and I think it would be really fun. So I want to try and make time for myself to play Octopath. Have Trapper. you have you played the demo at all? I have not. I have not yet. No. I I'm a big like
3: turn-based RPG fan. Mm. And uh, I played a little bit of this and I was very, very impressed. Like, mm-hmm. I think it's probably one of the next Switch, like $60 title games uh, that I'm going to get. And it's also
0: understandable why this game has also sold so well.
1: hmm
0: So. Uh... If they're, I mean, if you do want to play it, the most recent demo, I believe, lets you transfer your save data over to the main game. Right. So, uh, for those of you who are listening who haven't tried it out yet, that's a good way to get into it. I just remember,
1: but there is, there is one other game that I have been completely over the moon about. And, and I am going to recommend it to all of you. I think all of you will enjoy this game. Okay. Uh, it's actually an older game for the Wii. It's called Imagine Party Babies. (laughs) 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 listen, 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 you need to understand... Imagine Party Babies allows up to four people to play. Literally, everyone in this call could enjoy this game right now. And it's not the same as the past Party Babies, because in the past Party Babies, you had to look after the babies. No, Imagine Party Babies, you are the
0: baby. You're blowing my mind right now.
1: Those of you, (laughs) listen, listen, you you need to hear me out right now, okay? Like, they have such incredible games as Red Light, Green Light. They have games like Push the Swings Hard. They have games like take on the big puzzle. All right, when's the last time you challenged yourself to take on the big puzzle? In the product description, it says, "Can you prove you're the best babysitter?" And the question mark is upside down. That is a diversion of expectations, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you can play. You can play indoor and outdoor mini games that follow the typical day of a babysitter. I didn't even know, but you know, being a baby involved taking on the big puzzle but let me tell you imagine has subverted my expectations once again this is a game they have 30 30 hilarious mini games i can't even think of 30 things in my life that are hilarious but they have 30 <laughs> mini games that are all individually hilarious my god man my god
3: Look out for the break
1: room. Imagine Party
3: Babies. It's
1: eight ninety nine, nine dollars for thirty games, guaranteed to have you busting your gut. I I, I spend more than nine dollars on a routine. Like this is this is ultimate value. This is ultimate value. And I'm telling you right now, if 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 I leave this podcast and just one of you experiences the multiplayer mayhem magic of Imagine's Party Babies. I will have blessed this podcast with good <laughs> gaming taste. Thank you for listening to my TED Talk. Good night.
0: Paul, uh, you realize the game is in your cart and you're about to buy it, right? I can I, will, I feel it.
2: I will I see it. It's cute. You think I haven't bought it yet.
1: I will, if, if they promise to send me video of them playing it, I will purchase a copy of Imagine Party Babies. For the first person to tweet me a dm with their name and address and a formal promise that they will record themselves playing imagine party babies and post you know, it publicly the call's i feel been really made.
3: compelled I, I i mean i feel like one of us should we should definitely do this i mean and again i've i've seen i've seen people make videos about this game and so
1: it just i guess it needs to happen <laughs>
0: It's a. It's been burned into our existence now. This is my I, fate. I
1: will if, tell you what. I'll send you guys fifty bucks if you'll do it as a live stream on one of your next episodes.
2: <laughs> I guess we have to, don't we? Um, it'll be here on the seventh.
1: <laughs> I will pay. I will pay. I will pay. We'll call it pizza and partying. I'll. You can buy pizza for the three of you. You can all, and you can you can play party
0: babies. <laughs> oh it's man! It's gonna be the the party baby pizza
2: stream.
3: <laughs> Paul, did you say you just ordered it?
2: It'll be here on the 7th. That's not a lie. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> we have been challenged, okay? We are Ooh. playing this game. <laughs> Woo. Is it hard? I can't read. Yes!
1: <laughs> I cannot wait to see you guys take on the big puzzle. <laughs>
0: the big puzzle (laughs) my whole life has been building up to this moment to be a baby and take on the big puzzle oh
1: my god he actually posted a a screenshot of thank you your order has been placed the (laughs) madman
2: the absolute madman i i I see this as an investment in our future this is is the game
1: on that note i am actually meeting up with my wife for dinner at eight o'clock so i should get ready but okay. is there anything
0: else you guys needed me to stick around to discuss no if you gotta run man feel free but, but uh, i guess before you go just tell people where they can find you at
1: uh you can find me on twitter uh on tumblr and uh, uh on tinder at sonic may i actually don't think you can find me on tinder at sonic Ma- i'm gonna let <laughs> that joke yet. die but you can follow me if you want it depends on what you want to follow me for if you want to follow me for just you know, my my voice acting announcements, new roles that come out, stuff I can talk about or just general interaction, you definitely wanna go to my my Twitter at SonicMega. Uh if you wanna look at more behind the scenes, like how I handle voiceover as a person, like my reflections on life, and just kind of more of the real real slice of life posts, um, both up and down. Uh, follow my Facebook, Sean Chiplock. I say follow, don't friend me, because I try to friend only people that I hang out with in real life, because it, it builds up pretty big. It's nothing against you, it's just, now that Facebook has the friends of friends things, I have to really keep it to, to people in my network. So follow, don't friend. Um, and if you just want to see crap posts and me making stupid Tumblr memes and record request audio from time to time when I feel inspired, follow my Tumblr, also at Sonic Mega. But those are the major three.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, make sure to do all that. Thank you so much, John, for hanging out with us. It's been a thank blast. Thank you so no, thank much you. for thank having you. me,
1: and thank you for the
0: opportunity. All right. Uh, well, we'll let him get out of there, and we'll be back in about five minutes to continue the rest of the show.
1: Good luck, my fellow party babies.
0: Welcome back to the Breakdown Podcast. Uh, we just uh, parted ways with Sean so we could go have dinner with his uh, with his wife. We want to thank him once again for being on the podcast. It was a great experience for us. I hope it was great for you guys. Uh, lots of great advice in terms of voice acting, a little insight into his career, and what all goes into uh, that entire industry. Um, if you missed that, the VOD for this is going to stay up as well as this being put on podcast sources uh, later this week, so... Uh, still an opportunity to hear that conversation. Um, let's see. I was about to give you the games I played this week, and you're gonna hear a lot about Kingdom Hearts, just warning
2: you. <laughs> I like hearing about Kingdom Hearts, so proceed.
0: I finished playing Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories. I absolutely loved that game. Um, one of the main complaints I had with Kingdom Hearts, the original was that in combat situations, it didn't feel like there were a lot of counters to things or ways that you could get out of a like an attack that an opponent was using. There was no method of doing that. You were just kind of attacked, and you were forced into the hit, and that was it. Uh, that doesn't really jive with me in the sense that it's an action RPG, and the word action means to me that I should be able to get out of the way in some in some fashion. Um What Kingdom Hearts Rechain of Memories does is it lets me structure my deck in a way that I can counteract certain moves from certain bosses and certain enemies. Um, I found that in the late game, a lot of the bosses would beat me two or three times in a row, and then I would come up with a strategy using my deck, basically restructure my entire deck, and then be able to beat them with relative ease after I had, you know, planned my strategy out and executed upon it. And I really liked that. It made me feel like if I took the time, I thought about what I was doing, came up with a strategy, that the strategy would actually work if I employed it. Versus Kingdom Hearts 1, where I felt like no matter what I did, I was just going to get, you know, hit and hurt and destroyed anyway. Um, at least in, at least without, like, just spending a million years grinding, which, you know, ain't nobody got time for that busy gamer guide. Um, hey. A. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed Kingdom Hearts 3 Chain of Memories. I then played Riku's Story, which only took me uh, about five and a half hours to beat. Um, but the combat system for Riku is completely different than Sora, so I had to learn a brand new system for Riku. Riku doesn't let you edit his deck, he has a set deck that changes during each chapter to, um, give you different challenges and to accommodate different types of combat situations. I found out that he has no natural way of healing himself. So you just take damage and eventually you're going to die. That is until you get King Mickey's assist cards. Um, And you can play King Mickey's assist cards, stack them together to make them more powerful. I didn't even talk about the stacking system. Um, You can stack three cards together, which might form a different type of attack, um, called slights or Slates? Spelled Slates. Um, which are essentially, like, the super limit moves you can use in the other Kingdom Hearts game. Um, yeah, and so once you get King Mickey's cards, you can use those to heal yourself, and eventually, you know, that got me through the the game with Riku. But Riku, for the most part, you can just kind of hack and slash, because he's entirely, like, melee combat focused. He doesn't have any magic to speak of. Um... So I kind of blew through that. You have to go through every single world that you went through with Sora all over again as Riku, but uh, they make the worlds a third of the size that they are in Sora's run. So it's a it's a lot different of an experience. In Sora's version, you have three story rooms. Like, they're rooms that are story-focused that you have to enter and then complete. With Riku, they make it just one story room. You go to the room, you fight the boss, you move on, that's it. Um, so after that... Uh, I finished Rechain of Memories. I thought the story in it was really good. I I feel like the first Kingdom Hearts... Uh, I mean, it tells a good story, but the story doesn't give you much of a sense for the world and what is actually it's happening. Naruto. Yeah, like, everything feels really small and left unexplained. That's because they fill in all of the holes and all of the explaining in the seven million other games that come after it. Um, So yeah, Rechain of Memories follows Kingdom Hearts... Directly, you might as well call it Kingdom Hearts 2. Um, and then after that, in the 1.5 plus 2.5 HD remix, there is a, a movie, a cutscene movie for Kingdom Hearts Eight over two days, which is a Nintendo DS game. So they made all of the cutscenes 1080p HD, and they put them in order so that you can watch them front to back. Um, given the way that game was structured, at least from what I've been told by Paul, the, uh, that makes a lot of sense. Because, like, all the missions you do in the game aren't really story-focused. Mm-hmm. So they can just give you the cutscenes and you get all the context. The cutscenes were almost three hours long, and I was engaged the entire time. So I think that's a good sign. <laughs> I thought the story in Three Five Eight Over Two was really good. Uh, you learn about Roxas and Organization thirteen and what those relationships mean and who these people are. Which I didn't have any, any idea going up to this point. I didn't point. either.
3: i'm sure So, what you're saying is you're you're getting pretty invested in this world
0: yeah i really like what's going on they're telling a really cool story with this series not something i've really glad
2: you finally started playing through them
0: i know right i've been waiting a long time at least it's here and it's now before kingdom hearts 3 Mm -hmm. um but yeah i feel like the kingdom hearts story is really something cool and i haven't really seen it anywhere else before uh, so it really stands out to me because, you know, it's a story I've never heard. There's elements from other stories that are borrowed, you know, like, you know, your basic romance elements and that kind of stuff. But the the very functions of certain things and how the world is pieced together is really cool and interesting to me, which is why, Logan, I think this would be something that'd be up your alley. Uh, I think when I get the chance, especially now, uh, accessibility
3: is a big thing, you know, to try to get into games and accessibility in terms of... Um, uh, can I afford it? And do I need to buy an extra system to do it? But it sounds like I could just get this on PS4 pretty easily.
0: Yeah, you get, yeah. what, like six games on a 20... Se- I bought it for 27 bucks. Six yeah, games. and That's they're... a good
3: value. Um, I do have other priorities, that things I would like to get through before. Your but, priorities uh... are wrong then. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. I will say <laughs> but, Kingdom we'll Hearts is going to take a back second.
0: seat once <laughs> Spider-Man comes out but I'll jump right back on the train once I'm Uh, done. mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I didn't read Roxas' journal because there was, like, 40-something pages, and I just wanted to move on to the the next game. Speaking of the next game, uh, Dream Drop, I haven't been talking about this, so I could save it for the podcast, but I am currently, like, minutes away from the final encounter in Kingdom Hearts 2.
2: I don't ask
0: me how this happened. Wow. But I...
2: Kingdom Hearts 2 is a suck, and you start playing, and then suddenly you're done.
0: Yeah, like, I... Wow, I have done nothing but play Kingdom Hearts 2 for the last three days. And I have been enjoying it immensely. Um, this The battle system does go back to Kingdom Hearts 1, but they add a lot of things that alleviate a lot of the problems I had. Uh, there's a reaction command system which will have you press triangle at certain points during combat that will initiate either an attack, a dodge maneuver, something of the sort. So I can essentially, it, it like I said, it alleviates the issues I had. I'm not stuck in a situation where I'm just getting beat to death and I can't do anything about it. There's a way for me to get out, a way for me to prevent these things from happening. Um, so now I'm enjoying the combat a whole lot more. And, you know, it's, it's, it's also that first game curse, you know. Uh, once the second game comes out, they figure out all the things they did wrong and how they can improve, and it makes the first game look a lot look a lot worse than it might be.
3: Hashtag Uncharted!
0: Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Um, sorry, Dream Drop, I wasn't hiding it from you, I just felt compelled to save it for the podcast. Uh, and I think I'm minutes away from the final encounter, but I've learned in this RPG world that that doesn't always mean (laughs) that you're about to fight the final boss. Uh, I could be way off for all I know. Um but yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2 I'm really enjoying. The thing is, like a lot of the revelations you make in the plot are revealed to you in 358 over 2. Um so a lot of those big moments aren't big to me because I already know these things. But it at the same time they introduce certain pieces of information without that kind of background information you get in 358. So at the same time it's still th- Feels like this story is really well weaved it's it's hard to express but uh, because you know Kingdom Hearts 358 came out years after Kingdom Hearts 2 so I essentially played it out of order but this is the recommended order on the disc Um, Mm -hmm. so that's been an interesting experience for me like I'll see like interactions between characters and I think about what a person who played this when it first came out might think and that's that they have no idea what's going on Like, there's the character of Axel, that I don't talk about too much, because I don't know what everybody knows here, but you you learn a lot about Axel's character in three five eight over 2 and you see him a lot in Kingdom Hearts 2, but at that point, the player wouldn't have known his motivations. And they really don't go into it, even by the last time you see him, which I thought was interesting. So, uh, I don't know, like, if this is great writing or terrible writing, but all I know is I'm enjoying it. <laughs> uh... Mo- Josiah said, funny how RPGs do that. I was three hours away to the end of Persona 5 for 30 hours.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: Uh, yes. Dream Drop says, if you're in the world that never was, you're close to the end, but it might not go down how you think it's going to go down. Okay, well, I'm close to the end, so I might finish it tonight. Um. And, yeah, Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix is my highlight of the week so far, even though it only encompassed three days well, I guess that's actually a lot. Yes, it encompassed three days' worth <laughs> since our last Breakdown podcast. Uh, I anticipate yeah. I will start Birth by Sleep this week. I don't know mm. if I'll finish it before um, Spider-Man comes out, but I know you play as three different characters, so at the very least I'd like to have one of their stories done so I'm not, like, leaving the game in the middle of the plot and coming back and being like, what was going on? I'll remember going to try and prevent that from happening. Uh, this is actually going a lot faster than I thought it was. But, you know, when I game, I game. It's just how Fair it is. Uh, yeah. That's how so. I got
3: through God of War. It just kind of it happened. And I was like, I finished a game?
0: Yeah, me too. Um, but that's all for games for me this week.
2: All right. Um, well, I talked about Semblance on Nintendo Stuff Podcast. It's the only game i played. Um I need to play more games. That's that's why we're, we're going to start spacing the show out every other week so that I can actually sit down and play a game. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So I played Semblance. It's still a great game. If you uh, aren't familiar with it, check it out on the eShop. It's a short game. It's also, I think, like 10 bucks, So it's not that bad. Um, check it out. Sweet. That's it for me. All right, Logan.
3: Okay. Um, well, again, I talked about these games a little bit on on Nintendo stuff. Um, just, just some really casual stuff, playing more Rocket League, a little bit of Unholy Heights, which again is just this super chill experience. It's five bucks on the eShop, and then still cranking my way uh, through Crash Bandicoot 2. Uh, So, as a finale. Uh, for this show though I'm gonna give you a little bit of an insight to my my personal life One, uh, I, I think it's funny how our generation is so comfortable sharing very personal information to the internet uh, and I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um, and so in this case uh, I was absent from last week's show because I was in quite a bit of pain uh, and 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 about halfway through this last week, uh, I had quite the accomplishment happen. And I'm a very, very happy man. And I'm going to let you guys in. Um, this right here, this little thing right here in this little bag, caused me a heck of a lot of pain. That being a kidney stone. And I finally pass it. And that's my highlight of the week. And uh, I think that's uh, where we're going to end it.
2: Um, Actually, uh, I did have a quick update from, I think, the um, it was between the fourth and fifth episode of the Breakdown Podcast. Uh, If you go back and watch, I talk about crashing my car on the way home from Brandon's house. Uh, Just hit a patch of gravel, lost control, and went flying into the guardrail and just ruined the front end of my car. And uh, six months later, six months later... I finally bought a new used car Saturday. So I'm no longer driving my parents' ve- or borrowed vehicle. Congratulations, Paul. Welcome it's to this huge accomplishment and <laughs> I also uh, instant buyer's remorse because I spent so much money.
0: Yeah. That I don't have.
2: My it's uh... just one
3: of those purchases that's going to instantly like depreciate in value, you know, and you're still paying what it originally was
0: worth. Uh, so. When I bought my house, they told me I was going to have buyer's remorse, and for a while I believed them. I was like, okay, you know, it's just something that everybody goes through and they'll get over it. Never happened for me. I was always happy with buying this house. Um, so. I'm
2: not happy about some of the protection plans I got upsold on, um, but so far, I st- <laughs> like. it's been two days. I, if tomorrow I decide that I don't <laughs> like it, I can still take it back to them. Um, but for the most part, like, I got a really good deal. It wasn't until I even got home that I realized just how good of a deal it was. Because I thought I was looking at, you know, the smallest car on the lot for the cheapest amount of money. And I ended up getting, like, a mid-sized sedan for the price that I thought I was getting a compact. I don't know how I got them mixed up. Because, you know, I, I sat in the back seat and there was leg room. <laughs> that, should have been my, that should have been my clue. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so... Big, right, uh, big life change for me.
0: Okay, a couple announcements to make before we break. Um, for those of you who are into the big old Nintendo scene and Smash Brothers scene, uh, you'd know that Best Buy is hosting a Super Smash Brothers Ultimate play session um, through September and October, and there will be one in Chicago on September the fifteenth, and. Uh, from like 10 to 5 or 10 to 7, I forget what. And okay. I will be there.
2: 10 to 7 on Sat- Saturday and Sunday.
0: Oh, 10 yeah. To 7
2: Saturday, 11 to 5 Sunday. And I know
0: I've talked to a couple of you who are fans already that happens to in be in the
3: Discord.
0: Yeah, in our Discord <laughs> that you should join. <laughs> Link in the description. Um,. That you will also be in Chicago, so I'd like to once again reiterate that uh, we can do a Break Room Arcade fan meetup. I know there's a couple of you that, you know, would be cool to hang out with, uh, play Smash Ultimate together, and maybe we'll go somewhere else after the after the fact and maybe grab something to eat or something. Who knows? But still. Uh, so if you're going to be in the Chicago area or if you're going to be there for that, make sure to meet up with us. Or at least me. I know I, I will be there. <laughs>
2: <laughs> i I think I'm going to be it its it comes at an interesting time because it's the day after my birthday, and that is the uh the day before my birthday. I have jury duty, and I don't know how that's going to affect my actual birthday yet because if I get on a trial that lasts more than a day, then I have to serve on my birthday
3: yeah there's not no way you're making it at that point, yeah. Uh, yeah. As for as for me, it's not out of the cards, uh, but it doesn't seem likely at this point that I'll be making it. So,
0: so you, all you're getting is me. You better like me, and if you don't like me, just to, I guess that's <laughs> it. Uh, this crew is going to be the best in the Midwest. Yeah. Hopefully, we actually get a chance to play Smash Brothers. I can't imagine that long will be or that line will be very short. You know. Uh, when, uh, me and Joe went to play Smash 4, we were in line for almost six hours, or maybe it was six hours, and we got to play Smash for Wii U for two minutes! But it was worth it. Uh, so yeah, make sure to look out for that, I'll keep you guys in the know in the Discord, I might tweet it out a couple times too, to, I'll probably tweet it out once I'm actually in Chicago, let you guys know where I'm at, um, and we'll go from there, but... As we always say, if you liked what you listened to here today, please leave a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't. Find out when we go live next. we got the Nintendo Stuff podcast, 7.30 p.m. Central Time on Friday, where we talk about all Nintendo's updates and news. Crossing my fingers for a direct announcement tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Uh, it's going to happen soon, because uh, Nintendo Switch Online is on the way. We haven't had any updates from Nintendo since June. It's been a, been a while. Uh... So yeah, join us on our Discord. Link in the description. Make sure to chat with us. We're in there pretty much all the time, especially during the work week. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, let's see. He says, Bucktown is where it's at, and Bucktown is hipster town. You can bet it's going to be a long line. Well, good to know. Yay. So with all that in mind, guys, uh, if you really like what we do here, make sure to check us out on Patreon if you want to help support us for as little as a dollar a month with uh and with that I guess that's the end of our show so don't break your backs breaking the games but for now break time's over